I'm Maddie. And I'm Snapshot, also known as Ryan. <laughs> I should have said Mitty because this is... I took a picture with you with Matt. This eyes. is a very special <laughs> Mutant Ages episode where we talk about the Mutant Ages, the comic book, but we aren't going to do that no. yet. No. We're going to read some listener questions about our podcast. Been a What's our while. podcast, Ryan? What do we do here on this podcast? This is a podcast where we review every adaptation of the X-Men ever. Ever! Back when we were young, we experienced a change. TV, video games, movies, sometimes books. I don't know. We've done commercials before. Yeah, sometimes picture books about Sabretooth and Wolverine on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it's basically everything that is not the comic books. It would be really interesting if someday down the line we start picking some comic books to read and record. There's nothing to stop us from doing that. I feel like that will be eventually the next logical step. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've certainly talked about the comics on here. With the way our fan base has grown, the community has really been all asking questions about different arcs. Like that Discord, by the way, if you haven't joined our Discord, you can go to themutantages.com and click that link on the right for the Discord because that's a weird yeah. fucking link. Well, I feel like there is actually a way to make a specialized link and we just haven't figured it out yet. But like, I think we could actually do that. Yeah, probably. One of our listeners can write in and explain it to <laughs> yeah, us. We're idiots and we don't know how to use technology. Thank you very much. The point is that everybody goes in there and they discuss a lot of different comic books, especially in relation to all the TV shows and movies we cover. Yes. And we just covered like X-Men First Class, for example. And we got a lot of people talking about like, um, Magneto using ferrous metals, for example, in that movie or not in that movie and, and the comic books about that. I mean, that's the kind of knowledge that our listeners have. We have like a huge breadth of X-Men knowledge uh, reflected in the Discord. Yeah. And recently, because of First Class, there's been a lot of chatter about uh, Beast as mm. a character and his history in the comic books of when he's been awesome. Yeah. either evil or like close yep. to evil or doing yep, the wrong yep, thing. Yep. And where is that leap between him being a the jolly old good Shakespearean quoting feet kicking <laughs> badass yeah. that he is and then you know being like I oh. hate myself and I'm taking it out on literally everyone yeah <laughs> yeah I mean like and that that has been fun to talk, discuss like who Dark Beast is which I'm like well no that's not even the same entity mm -hmm. as Beast but I guess technically it is if it's just like a different universe and like also why is it that writers sometimes choose to write Beast as a more of an evil commodity yeah. when when hit the other side is so the opposite of that and i and this has turned into other great conversations about like why don't we get more mental diagnoses yeah because beast beast is bipolar right so i mean he's not actually written oh. like he's not officially stated that way but like i would love that 
to be part of his character. Yeah, you know? I feel like if they got a really good writer who could delve into that. I mean, it's also possible he just has regular depression. I feel like a lot of that is reflected in his actions. I can agree with that. I think that makes sense. To and me. like that insecurity. I mean, I speaking only for myself, I feel like a lot of the times in my life when I was a huge asshole were because I was depressed and insecure and taking it out on other people. Right. Although I didn't create like a way to destroy all gay people. <laughs> so I mean, you didn't. You didn't try to be like, I'm gonna take like a magic medicine that's yeah, gonna make me. Eat. I did. I guess you could. I feel like I. I definitely would have during t- periods of time when I hated myself a lot. You know what? I think that's kind of hard though, because like there is anti-depression medication. Well, that that's has, not what I'm talking about though. I mean, like yeah. like any type of medication, like over medicating or like trying to become someone you're not or whatever. Like yeah. that part of I it mean, is I've bad. Done that. Yeah, I've, I've definitely done the chameleon thing way too many times in my life. Definitely, definitely. I'm glad I'm not anymore. And you can use substances to achieve that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I wasn't a scientific genius like Beast, so I couldn't like develop my own medicines, yeah. which is yeah. definitely for the best. I agree. <laughs> with that i agree anyway it's yeah it's fascinating so people should definitely join the discord but um anyway that's not what we're going to do today although we might address some some listener questions from the discord today actually we are going to read listener emails read listener tweets comments everything to do with listeners and we're gonna answer those questions on this here this episode. is your time to shine everybody all right so let's jump off this cliff into uh Whee! well not a cliff more more like jumping out of scrooge mcduck's catapult of coins but it's just a bunch of letters at the bottom yes i love that i love that we're swimming around in the letters yeah it's just like envelopes flying everywhere it sounds fun Um, okay so this opening letter is from once again the name i can never pronounce which is toll greg ordle i think i think you're finally getting it because you've practiced it enough times it's toll greg ordle i think so okay anyway they wrote in would you consider the sentinels to be x-men's biggest foes if not who is the x-men's biggest villain a lot of people would say magneto but they are wrong yes also evolution (laughs) did something very different with the sentinel they made it mute how do you feel about the silent sentinels i have to say that they feel more threatening but they lose some character because they don't get to speak with the X-Men. They don't get to philosophize and explain their actions. Mm. But again, the 90s show made them really silly when they talked. (laughs) And even as a kid, it seemed odd that these duffers took over the world in the future. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, there's some great questions in there. Yeah, there are. Okay, so first of all, to answer the first question, I don't actually think the Sentinels are the biggest enemy. I think the government is. The government contractors yeah. who were behind creating the Sentinels, like, which racism is Racism is probably the biggest. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, yeah. I mean, like, bigotry against mutants. But but I, I do yeah. feel like characters like, well, I mean, not necessarily Senator Kelly per se, but like Trask right. and, and, and Gyrick, like the characters who misuse their knowledge um, to create foes against the X-Men, those characters are more dangerous and also manage to get the resources to do that those are the scarier characters to me because they remind me of like people in real life you know what i mean right because they have the power and the means to actually make those things yeah i also i think another good example is like the original version of striker from the comics is actually quite scary for the same reason to me because he's like a religious fundamentalist who has like basically a queer kid who he demonizes like literally and like that symbolism is like very unnerving i mean i feel like that reminds me of like queer kids in religious families like those kinds of things i think are a lot more scary yeah i like that with um 
Trask story as well, where it's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. where he kind of had his kids, and then eventually yep. he turned around and felt terrible about what he did to them. Which is interesting. I feel like they do that a lot in X Men comics because it's again reflecting reality. But yeah, I also feel like that is not a version of Trask we've ever seen converted into the TV shows or the movies. We've had these versions of and him. And I'm sad about the the wrong versions of Striker too. I hope that if the MCU converts oh these God. villains, that they do a different job with it where they they take some of those really haunting weird stories from the comics and and use those because i feel like that would be yeah i mean i think they will and i think they will actually end up doing a lot of the stories that the fox films already did but i mean but in a different way yeah but also like like at some point they will probably do dark phoenix and i don't consider dark phoenix to be the worst enemy Uh, no no oh dark phoenix is actually pretty badass but i don't really consider that entity to be an enemy so much as like a cool thing i don't either because like here's the thing is that all the quote-unquote villains of the x-men and our listeners know this for the most part is that you look at characters like magneto and mystique and apocalypse or callisto or exodus or mr sinister Sinister. yes and like i mean i guess mr sinister is probably the close to actually being an enemy because he has absolutely no care for anybody now he kind of isn't anymore like these days he's kind of like a a harmless dick like i I mean i wouldn't say he's harmless well he's not harmless but you know what i mean he's like fun he's not He's not like right. Apocalypse. Like, he's not, he's not like trying to, you know, kill everybody all the time. Well, I mean, I feel like I understand what Apocalypse's deal yes. is finally because somebody finally wrote him correctly. I mean, that's part of why I didn't choose him for this question because I'm trying to choose the villains who are actually really scary in like a fundamental way. Yeah, because they, all those characters I just listed, I mean, yeah, they've done some really fucked up shit, but like they're also doing fucked up shit because so much fucked up shit has happened yes. to them and just, just for existing. Especially Mystique and Magneto. Yeah. yeah. Like I always, I always sympathize with Magneto and Mystique in the long run because I mean, like first of all mystique's been around for so long that she is seeing bigotry and been victimized by it for so long and has like found ways to survive it by manipulating people because that's what she's had to do to live you know she's traumatized like logan and her are the same in that kind of aspect and logan is considered a hero and i think he kills just as many people as mystique totally if not more he was in like every war that ever happened whereas mystique was just chilling (laughs) like come on Yeah. (laughs) yeah that's a good point so like I mean like Sabretooth is crazy too. Yes. Okay. Or yeah. Omega Actually, Red or Sabretooth whatever. and Omega Red are sort of fair examples, but I feel like they're sort of less interesting characters. But no, no but see again, there's still two characters who like Sabretooth and Omega Red were operated on by the government. They were point. taken in by, That's a good by point. the so government. That's a good point. So then at that point, they like, they're kind of like sentinels because they're actually yeah. tools of oppression as opposed to the oppressors. So, right. like, so that's it's like, different. It's kind of fucked up. So I, you, I can't think of any mutants that it would consider a villain because it's kind of like, well, these are just different mutants with different viewpoints yeah. fighting for the right to live. Yeah. But I do think what you were saying before is those actual scary characters are like Humans. the ones that embody racism and bigotry yep. and like that's probably yep. the closest we'll get and it's in terms of the sentinels i do find them way scarier if they're not talking i agree i agree and i, I actually thought that was kind of cool i think that's how they were in the days of future past movie right i don't think they talk in that i think you're right we're gonna watch that next right no the wolverine comes next and then it's oh, days of future past right okay i'm actually kind of excited then the wolverine might be a good yeah. movie and I haven't I actually seen really it. enjoy that movie. It's like it's not super accurate, but it does well enough at understanding the source material. Yeah, that, like, that'll be actually like, really okay. fun. God. OK. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. We're not doing that until we finish no, the we're upcoming not. season of X-Men Evolution. But yeah, I agree. I thought the Sentinel not talking was 
very scary and very cool. Yeah. I liked it. And I, I think that works. And I hope they keep that around for when the Sentinels inevitably will come into the MCU. Mm-hmm. So at this point, like the MCU has the perfect setup to integrate. To make them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have all the technology there. We've already had Ultron. And also like right now, the MCU is absolutely setting up a universe where people are like, yeah, we don't even know how we feel like with just superheroes. Super powered people. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's the right time. All right. Anyway, we're going to move on to our monthly email from Elena, who always writes in and sends us some pictures. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Yeah. And I'm going to have to open up Slack. Yeah, you're going to have to show me these pictures in Slack. Right. Okay. And so Elena writes in, hello, Ryan and Maddie. Fantastic coverage of an awesome episode as usual. Here's some thoughts. One, what is the point of superhero costumes if they don't conceal your identity (laughs) from any classmates who might be watching the news? I feel like this is something they should have been concerned about way, way earlier. Thanks, Xavier. I know. I know. Like, hello. You can just see Jean's face. The only person who this isn't the case for is Cyclops, except he constantly wears sunglasses at school anyway. So pretty sure people will still recognize him. And yeah, I don't know. I can't even explain this. Okay. Logan also wears masks. That's it. Though. Yeah. And he's like, why? I know. He's I, the one whatever. who doesn't need to conceal his identity. He puts double masks on sometimes. He like puts a helmet over his mask. Anyway, he's like, safety first. <laughs> uh, number two, there's a picture here of Storm looking awesome yes. with the, the cops around her from the last episode I know. She's, of season two. She is the best. I love her. And Elena says, two, loved seeing Storm go all goddess mode and actually be able to do something in this episode. I know. The way she levitated the little rocks before the summoning the tornado was cool. It was cool. And it's a great image. It's I, amazing. I did really enjoy that. Also, like, why couldn't she do that before? <laughs> it's questionable. I know. I know. We ask ourselves that every single day. I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I ask, why didn't Storm get to do more on X-Men Evolution? Yep. This is a cool picture of Spike. Okay, yeah, but she With the nipples. Yeah, Elena says Spike nipples. Sorry, Evan. (laughs) That's really funny. Can you describe what this is? Okay, so Spike is shooting spikes at the Sentinel after Storm's been KO'd, so it's actually a very dramatic, cool shot for him, except that it just so happens that two spikes are sticking out of where his nipples are, and that's really funny. (laughs) So, yeah. He's Madonna now. He looks like he's Madonna. He looks like he's in a music video. He's just also really pissed off. It's great. (laughs) It's great. Well, thank you, Elena. We always love these little screen caps that you send in. She takes incredible screenshots that are, like, perfectly timed (laughs) to look either badass or hilarious um thanks so much Elena. oh yeah all right next up we have from totally not mr sinister <laughs> i'm already laughing what does beast think about when he gets high <laughs> 90s beast not x-force beast or cat beast or whatever oh my god okay i feel like we aren't even smart enough to answer this question though you know what i mean like beast has to be thinking about like the fucking human genome you know what i mean like he is like rotating a million dna strands in his head simultaneously and being like whoa i don't see <laughs> like, i'm trying to think of somebody i know who gets high regularly and has these like crazy ideas but i feel like when you're super high everybody does that yes like i feel like everybody feels like they have a greater understanding of the universe than they actually do but i feel like beast probably does like he's probably one of those people who like gets high and is more productive you know what i mean like there are those people this is a a weird example but i have an ex you know who he is the one i was with for seven years Mm -hmm. and which he said that he didn't he didn't get high like with weed but he said that when he was younger in college he got 
high off of like mushrooms. I think amphetamines. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Like snorting Adderall or whatever. Yeah, something like that. And he was saying that like during that time, he pulled out this little diagram. He's like, yeah, this is from back when I used to do that, and <laughs> I designed how you could turn the universe and channel it into a gun. <laughs> okay, I actually do remember that story. Which... Okay, right. And it was like, <laughs> and then like I looked at it, I'm like, this shit doesn't make any fucking sense. It you doesn't, know? but it's so funny. Okay, I feel like that's like what Magneto would do when he was high, though. Like Beast, I feel like is a little more. Okay, I don't know if Beast would turn the universe into a gun, but I feel like he would turn <laughs> it into like something else, like a a sequencer or something like that. You know what I mean? Or he'd be like, here's how it could be turned inside out. What would that? do and it's like beast no one knows what you're talking about right now i also feel like beast would not be fun to hang out when he was high like at all i think he would just sit there and like quote a lot of shit that nobody yep. like i like just everyone would be like jesus i mean also like i am the person when i get high if somebody's talking to me too much i can't stand it i'm like please stop Oh. talking do you know what i'm talking about where you're just like this is overstimulating and i like need to get away from you so i feel like if i hung out with these you and i have the opposite problem okay so when i used to get high because i don't smoke anymore but when i don't, did i know i would like you would talk more no i would talk less because i wouldn't be able to process how to talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like the quietest i would ever be so and, like, actually we would be fine if we ever got high together which will never happen again because you you're abstaining but still well there was that i remember there was a party we were both stoned at and like i remember both of us kind of just stood there and silently ate chips for like i don't know 35 minutes that's pretty much really that's the vibe you know that is the vibe okay i have a different ex who was stoned all the time and whenever he got high he acted like he was the smartest fucking person in the world and if you had any other thought he was he would shut it down (laughs) i have like a bad track record of exes here but anyway uh he would shut it down and then also be do you like think beast would do that oh i kind of do i feel like he would be obnoxious and or he would just list off something like it, it, it the whole room would have to be high with him in order for him to just like describe like he took this lamp and turned it into like a vehicle because he found it had like dna in it somehow people be like Whoa. yeah or like he he like took a pencil and like turned it into a like microchip processing unit and like i don't know he did he did some I mean, shit okay, like like what about like donatello from the ninja turtles i just assume the ninja turtles are always high right and he actually is like the super genius so would he just be like donnie yeah okay yeah actually i feel like donatello and beast would get along super well they're basically the same guy in a certain way i feel like we've had this exact yeah. conversation before and how well, like that's because with warcraft valley it's already happened at this point of course, so, you know. of course. what am i yeah. saying all right so we've answered this we have <laughs> I, don't, I mean, we've, we've tried, but anyway, so uh, we have a voicemail from Drake. Yes, voicemail. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Hi, Maddie and Ryan. This is Drake calling in. Um, first, let me um, nerd out about um, headphones for Hussack. Uh I noticed in the unboxing video that uh, you were both wearing um, you know, Sony MTR. <laughs> Yes. 75. Oh, that's you, Maddie. Is, um, that's all you. I, uh, you know it. A similar pair. Uh, and um, I just, uh, I just, uh, I see them everywhere when looking um, on like, um, you know, videos um, on YouTube and um, just. Uh, yeah, they're very popular. Just um, in random places. Um, I'm not sure if you have a similar experience. I do. Um, I see them everywhere, I'm also too. calling in. Um, because um, I think I remember on a previous 
episode, Ryan had mentioned that he wasn't um, a, um, a huge fan of the um, original um, Excalibur run. Um, yeah. I, I could be wrong. Anyway. No, you um, got I'm it. You got it. I'm curious uh, what um, both of your thoughts were on uh, the um, Excalibur comics. Um, you know, do you like them? You know, do you not like them? And um, I'm just curious why I'm... Um, I, uh, um, I recently read the first, um, you know, 35 issues. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, like there are problematic areas, but, um, overall I enjoyed it. Um, and, um, I'm just always eager to hear different opinions on it. So thanks. And uh, I'll see you next time. Cool. Yay. Well, do you want to answer that, Mike? I mean, I guess you've already answered the headphone thing. Yeah, so. I have. These these are very popular headphones. I don't know how this happened. I feel like they're like most rated on Amazon or some shit. And like every podcaster in the world was like, these are the Sony brand headphones I should buy. And so like we all bought them. We were all brainwashed. And now... You know, it's actually really interesting because it was during the time that The Mutant Ages wasn't a standalone production. It was when we were still Atomic Blue Productions. Mm-hmm. We had multiple shows And with so I like people. bought everybody headphones, I think. Yeah, well, at this point, we definitely had... For Katie, podcasts. I know I got it for Mary Ellen. No, you did. You didn't get it for Katie, but you got some for Mary Ellen when you were still doing Let's Watch two movies yep. and the Mutant Ages at the same time, and you were editing both shows. And I was and like, guys, you, you gotta like, wear headphones that are better than this because there's <laughs> yeah, so like, much can... like noise bleed if if you wear like little shitty earbuds. So I think I like use Patreon money back the Patreon, Patreon.com slash the Mutant yep. Ages. This is the kind I mean, of we thing we really do spend that we Patreon really money on do. stuff we need for we this show. We really <laughs> do. We've had to replace mixers. We've had to replace all kinds of things over the years um, and it's very useful yeah. to have the Patreon money and anyway this is not an interesting topic compared to talking about Excalibur which is the uh, okay so which run of Excalibur are you talking about Rye when you say you don't like it the one I didn't like as much is the 90s one now that's not to say that I I do want to read it again and I do have some of the graphic novels. Like, I wonder it's if not... you would actually like it because like this I haven't read these I don't think they're they're really far-fetched but like the new run of excalibur has made me be like okay but like the far-fetched here with krakoa works for me so maybe you might like it if you went back because i'm looking i'm looking at this wikipedia page it's a chris claremont um alan davis joint and we usually like chris claremont like 90s stuff so that's kind of why i'm surprised claremont at any time because he i mean he's always been so good at understanding the mutant metaphor and Chris Claremont is one of those people who has pushed for feminism in comic books and gay characters. He's also added in a lot of politics. Like he is the person, I mean, we were talking yeah. about this on the the episode Operation right. Rebirth where I was like, Chris Claremont was the guy who was like, let's give Magneto the, he's Jewish. He was in the Holocaust. Like he gave Magneto a backstory that explains who Magneto is as a person. Oh, yeah. And like, that's how we see Magneto now. That's not how Magneto was originally conceived. That was something that, Chris Claremont wrote into the character that made the character who he is, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, like, we're we're Claremont fans around here. I mean, obviously, he has his problems. There's certainly things I've read by him that I'm like, this is corny and stupid. But like, you know, it's fine as, okay, as far I, as it I can, goes. I can deal with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, in terms I can, of other things. I can too. So Excalibur, though, the things that I didn't like about it when I read it initially, and I really haven't revisited so much other than seeing, I don't know, like scans yep, on yep. wine. Um, is that it was like really sort of a departure from the other X-Men comic books where it was very much like set in this universe where 
mutants were oppressed and where they were dealing with their nuances of that Mm -hmm. and sort of the survival and that whole political allegory that was going on. And so like, because Excalibur dealt with like a lot more of the magical, fantastic jumping into actual like King Arthur's fantasy universe. And like, we're going to fight things there, but they had some really interesting characters too, that I do really love. Like I loved Megan. She was like the, the uh, empath that could like change her form depending on her like emotion, which was really cool. And like they did do some weird things, but it all again, that was another one where like Kitty Pride was like a teenager dating like or having crushing on an older man again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Which I don't again, knowing that Kitty was written supposed to be gay, like makes me be like, oh, maybe she keeps on crushing all these men to be like these weird. I mean, I think she was supposed to be bi though. I don't know if she was ever supposed to be gay. I mean, maybe she was. I don't know. I have no idea. We'll never I mean, know. Chris Claremont has Chris Claremont has gone on record saying that originally he had written Kitty Pride and Rachel Summers to be together. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and then it just didn't happen. Right. So because right, right. he couldn't do it then in the same way that Mystique couldn't be married. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's like I just I really couldn't get that into it. Like and I'm I read it and it was like it just I have trouble with certain like high fantasy stuff in general. So like I love Legend of Zelda. I love Skyrim, but I kind of feel like there needs to be rules to all that. And I feel like, and this was a problem with the whole X of Swords nonsense, is that there just isn't rules when they go into like fantasy world of Marvel. And it happens in Thor too, where it's like, and it's also my primary problem, or at least it was my primary problem with Harry Potter before J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Yeah, now it's fine to have a problem with Harry Potter. Although Harry Potter has a lot of problems. Now I I now despise it for a different reason. And like, it's like I've I've seen Harry Potter films. I've not read the books, but like I you're fine. You don't need the to films. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I know the characters. I like the concept of these characters and their personalities. And I love the idea of the houses, but like we can just fix any plot hole by like magicking it away. And but like, it's like, obviously it only happens if it's necessary to the plot. Like it, it, it'll be like, Oh, there's this problem we can't solve with magic for some reason. Oh, but we can solve this other problem with magic because we need to solve it for the plot. And that's, that's kind of like how Excalibur is yeah. also. And that's my bigger problem with it. I like the newer run with Betsy as Captain Britain because I feel like that changed the tone of the comic book entirely mm-hmm. when it wasn't like Captain Britain and Pete Wisdom running the around. The 2019 one that's part of Dawn of X. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny that more people dislike that over the original run. They're like, it's not as good as the original Excalibur. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's just because I wanted more women to like do things. And I think in that original run, there was a lot of weird like shit happening with them and that and like yeah i don't know but it's not i don't know how to revisit that because again it's the 90s and it's like it might be kind of fun to reread it now though and just like see how rachel summers and kitty pride were depicted and analyze it through that lens i mean i don't know i i might read it i would reread it i I, it's it's hard for me to get behind i I, here's the thing is i felt like a lot of the 90s comics and the x-men were like not as good as literally any other decade but i went back and i started rereading stuff from the bastion era and how cecilia rays was introduced and i was like you know what this is actually some pretty solid stuff that i feel like it got watered down because the writing was good in a lot of those comic books that i didn't recognize at the time in the 90s mm-hmm. because the art was like so cartoony and wacky mm-hmm. which has not really happened with no, any I other know X-Men exactly what you're talking about and it's like yep. i don't know why everybody suddenly looked like they had giant anime bangs yep. and like giant yep. eyes it was like the post sailor moon dragon ball z and like i don't know i know what you're talking and about like i just and it just at the time like katie and i would 
print we would literally find pictures online and print them and put on Katie's wall. Do you remember Katie's wall in yes. her bedroom? That was okay. Like, do I remember your wall in your bedroom? Like both of you. We literally both Katie and I covered our walls and like a thousand tiny pictures of like things we liked, which was mostly X Men and, and gargoyles. So it was just like a million faces like staring at you while you slept. I did not do this, by the way. <laughs> no, but like we had a lot, of, a lot of those pictures from the '90s and the '90s comic books, and it just. It would be really weird to look at the art from like the 70s and the 80s and then put it up against like some of that 90s art. And it just it really watered down like the stories they were telling. However, when I went back and read the Bastion era, I was like, actually, this is really fucking good. And some of the speeches that Bobby Drake gave, like when he was facing off with Bastion at in one of those like end final battles, I was like, wow, this this is actually really amazing and really understands what it's like, what it's like to be in a marginalized class. Where he was like, I don't know, I, I just, I was, I'm not going to get into it because that's like a whole separate thing, but I, I was like, maybe I was wrong about how I felt about 90s comics with the X-Men, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I would go revisit again. Art makes a really big difference. Like, I mean, that's not even to say the art was bad per se. I'm sure there are people who are really into the art that we're talking about here and that happens to be their style. I, yeah, I agree. I feel like it just tonally didn't match. That's all. Yeah, it's also so subjective. I mean, like, obviously, so is writing and storylines and what you like, but art, I feel like is even more so because it's like, do you like this visual style? Does it match what you think the characters look like? It's so, and and that can take you out of it on its own. If you're just reading something and you're like, this isn't what I think this should look like. Yeah, and I feel I feel like I've gotten a lot more open about re, like looking at art and being like, okay, yeah, I can run with this. And that's generally how I feel about most comic books now. But I don't know, in the 90s, I was still young enough to not really, like I needed more, like like reading wasn't gonna be enough in it, enough for me to sell me on something at that time mm-hmm. you know so no, I, I should it. give Excalibur uh, and I will at some point whenever I have time again but you know yeah. I, I would do it again yeah right on. all right you want to move on to the next question I'm gonna have you read it I'm gonna send it to you in slack okay this question's from Anthony who writes hello all what character arc would you two like to see for Magneto in any future TV series or MCU appearance compared to his portrayal in evolution? Are we doomed for Magneto to be portrayed as the villain with sympathetic motivations, but who will just randomly kill people in any future introduction of his character? <laughs> also, as a first time watcher of evolution, I'm looking forward to seeing if the X-Men realize how creepy and scary it is to be living in a mansion surrounded by guns and get their own place with the Brotherhood. Xavier, how about using that money on social services for mutants in the community instead of high-tech weaponry? How did you get all this money anyway? <laughs> Thanks for this show keeping me sane throughout COVID. Oh, you're welcome, Anthony. And yeah, really fucking good point about Xavier, by the way. I, I mean, like, this is the th- things we scream every episode. But it's Charles like, Xavier come on, man. Like, okay, so theoretically in evolution, I'm answering this question first because I feel like it's easier. Um, I, theoretically in evolution, Xavier is using his money to help the community. I think it's in inherited wealth by the way i think that's like pretty strongly implied in most of his backstories is that it's just inherited wealth how rich were his parents though like this is crazy he like never works when you get that rich though you can use your money to make more money like off investments and like real estate and stuff like that like you just own things and they they accrue infinite money forever that's what i think savior does um and also he's probably like selling shit to the government or whatever oh yeah and in x-men evolution i'm convinced that he actually owns the school yes i don't 
know. It feels like he owns the town. I mean, he's brainwashed everyone so he can get money whenever he wants. Oh, that's a good point. I like how we always forget about that part. Okay, Juggernaut has to like crash through a bank and Xavier's like, stop stealing from people, Juggernaut. You're a terrible brother. And then he like quietly mind waves people to just put a bunch of money in a bag for him. Yeah, and justifies it to himself by being like, I'm helping out teenage queer kids, which he is. Like nominally, he's helping out teenage <laughs> queer kids. I, I like how he's like, I'm helping teenage queer kids out by putting guns in their bedrooms. Like what? And guns <laughs> in their hands. Like he's, <laughs> whatever. I Xavier is a wild character. Like it is, it is wild that he is a hero, supposedly. Oh, that was what I was going to answer at the beginning of this episode when people, when we were asked what the biggest villain is, it's actually Professor Xavier. I can't believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> For real, he yeah. is. He is the most insidious villain. Anyway, um, what character arc would we like to see for Magneto? This is a tough one. Okay, so obviously we see the Holocaust thing every iteration I of know. the movies. Yeah, I almost feel like we don't need to see that again, but I would like to see more of Magneto's like young adult life and dealing with that and being angry. Like the Nazi killing plotline in First Class was awesome. I would love to see like more of that version of Magneto. If they if they really truly go sort of with the flow of how things happen in the comics in the MCU, which they have done so far with a lot of these properties. So I think they will is that Magneto would originally be opposing Xavier and the X-Men originally, Mm -hmm. but then after Xavier dies for the first of many 3000 times, but doesn't actually stay dead because he like fakes it every time or like, I don't know, moves his consciousness into another body. Like I really like the story in which Magneto takes over the X-Men and like, how does that affect all the X-Men that we know and love? And it like, do Wolverine and Rogue trust him? Mm-hmm. Does Gambit trust him? How does Cyclops feel about this? And like, I would like to see, because he trained like the new mutants for a while. Yep. I would like to see that storyline. I mean, Magneto's been on Xavier's side for the most part. I don't know, since like the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he hasn't really been an opposing force since then. He still is very strict about his views and like, will go to the extremes and that's when like they that's where they disagree as well yeah 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 but like he at this point like magneto hasn't like run the brotherhood in very long time i don't want to see whatever the the fuck they did with grant morrison's magneto because technically that wasn't even him and like it i don't think they understood who the fuck magneto even was Mm -hmm. but yeah i would like to see more of that where magneto is on the same team of the x-men which we kind of get a little bit for like a hot second in first class. Yeah, and like, again, that's the stuff that in first class that I thought was kind of interesting was like Magneto and Xavier working together at least briefly and still disagreeing and still being like, we came from very different backgrounds and like having those conversations. That stuff's cool. Like in the, in the comic books, right? Like the whole concept is that the only people who really disliked Magneto was Xavier's petty differences with him and basically projecting that onto the original run of all of our favorite X-Men that we grew up with. But pretty much like since the nineties and two thousands, like any new characters who have joined the X-Men, they don't hate Magneto. Like they're like, it's basically being like, which viewpoint do we like more? And also like, we're not going to really pick a side, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's so many other sides you could pick quote unquote, as we've gone over, like there's so many other characters with their own viewpoints about mutant kind and and how people should be treated. Also, like I want to see him. I do want to see him run Genosha. Like I want to see that happen. I want to see the story where Genosha gets blown up with Magneto and how it cripples his morale. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, think about about those comic books where he's so depressed that he like created a community for mutants Mm -hmm. that was still 
killed by humans just like the holocaust like over again you know yep. and i think those are good stories we haven't ever seen that in the movies or, or anything like that i i don't think i no. mean we, we we often have asteroid m or like sort of genosha alike plot lines on these animated shows I would, but i'd be down for asteroid m that has not happened yet actually yeah so. i'd be down for it too i mean there's actually a lot of cool magneto plot lines they could they could do yeah exactly and i i, do, I just think that there's been a lot of stories of magneto creating actual communities and countries where people would not be ostracized mm -hmm. and like the same shit keeps happening to them and like they're, we're doing it again with Krakow except it's with Professor Xavier this time where Xavier's like let's assimilate and do what the humans want and like I really want to see more of Magneto's like push against that being like no I want to like create a safe haven for people yep. so anyway that's that's my thought yeah I'm with you let's go on to the next one from totally not real Mr. Sinister in which they asked a question that somehow has not come up in our read in our listener mails it which is what are your favorite X costumes <gasps> this is a good question it is a good question oh no it's so hard we both <laughs> love Storm when she was doing punk rock Storm in the 80s oh hell yeah Storm also has a lot of costumes that are like very sexy and because I have a crush on Storm I like those costumes where she's just like wearing lingerie and then like a big cape it's like I don't know why she would wear that it's absurd but like she looks great I mean I <laughs> I made a Halloween costume of Mr. Sinister once, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that was an easy costume to make or my favorite. Mm -hmm. I like the strings, though. That was fun. Yeah, it is fun. I like the Dark Phoenix original costume. I have made it to myself. I have worn it. I think most of Emma's sexy costumes are a little much, um, much as I love Emma. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm thinking I feel like Rogue's costumes are pretty cool because she just wears a leather jacket over a bodysuit and is like, yeah, I'm wearing a leather jacket. What? I always liked Gambit's costume. Really? Because I really the was shin into guards? it. Like, yeah. It's so corny. Yeah, I loved it back in the 90s. I mean, like, I don't know if I would. No, I still back it now. I like it. I, I'm cool with that. Mm hmm. Gambit was always fun. I like I liked his costume because I was like, it was like, I mean, everybody looks silly in the 90s. Oh, of course. But like, I don't know. He looked like something I would have put into uh, a Geno story, basically. So I was like, he's wearing the knee high boots, yep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a, a big pole. I feel like the thing I don't like about Gambit's costume is similar to what I don't like about Jean's costume on Evolution, which is like the weird head thing that like is just your face revealed. Like... I just don't feel like that looks good on anyone. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I also don't understand how they put that on. I don't either. And it's like you get your hair sticking out still. <laughs> I it's don't know. so weird. There's a lot of like superhero costumes that have that. And I'm like, why? It looks bad on basically everybody ever. Like, I don't know why it's a thing. But uh, yeah. I love pretty much every iteration of Magneto's costume. If yes. I had to pick a costume that I really, truly loved, I love every iteration of Magneto, whether it's the purple and red, or if it's the black one or the all white one. The helmet is just cool. The M helmet, it's just cool looking. Like it's a cool design. Yeah, maybe it's just because I love Magneto. Maybe, but I think it just looks cool. I feel like it's just Me a too. cool design. I don't know who came up with that. I don't know, but like, uh, I would also, we said it rogue already but i do absolutely love rogue's costumes the most part and if i had to choose somebody else it would probably be rogue i wouldn't wear rogue's costumes i mean yeah that's i wouldn't either good on I her feel for like, wearing like a skin tight costume all the time yeah but. i feel like what's fun about rogue is that she has the white streak and that there's like never been a, a explanation for why it's there like it's just like yeah she just has it like at least in the comics there's never been an explanation okay but katie has a good point here too she's like you know none of the x-men look, look normal and I'm, she's like even if like 
she's like she's like everybody that's an x-men pretty much has like a physical alteration in addition to their mutation and i was like i didn't really think about that before but you're right but i'm like what about bobby and she goes he puts his entire body in ice and i was like so the characters that do pass as normal looking like like have some other crazy body horror thing Uh, yeah she katie turned around with that one too and she goes yeah but gene turns into a fucking ball of fire it's true and like in the original version of that that was actually part of gene as opposed to part of the phoenix so yeah yeah exactly so i think that's really interesting so i think it's just a mutation for rogue just like gambit's eyes are a mutation for Mm -hmm, him mm -hmm. i don't know who designed magneto's helmet all right well we'll move on i guess on. the answer we'll is just on. jack kirby because like he was the original artist so yeah probably it seems like the answer is jack kirby yeah all right next question from bob Otit. if it were the x-men and not the avengers who were the heroes confronting thanos and endgame mm. who would have popped in revealing that time travel was a possible solution instead of ant-man <laughs> which two x-men would try to sacrifice themselves for each other to get the soul stone instead of hawkeye and black widow who would have made the snap that brings everyone back to life instead of Hulk? And who would have made this final sacrifice play instead of Iron Man? As to this first part, this might be a good place to have Bishop yelling, time travel is real. Yeah. I might also add the question, which three heavy hitters go toe to toe with Thanos to start the final fight instead of Captain Rogers, Thor and Iron Man? Oh my gosh, this is a very complex question. Like, is this like instead of Thanos, we're just battling apocalypse basically? Yeah, I guess so. Or we can still battle Thanos because we need to like have somebody put together the glove, which I guess has to be Beast. I mean, he's the counterpart who would be yeah, making it. I was going to say Beast would do that, right? Yeah. And Bishop, Bishop would pop and be like, time travel is real. So we've already got that covered. Baba Teet knew yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, also also, Bishop would, I guess, have his first moment of not fucking up by grabbing everybody from like all the different time periods and like bringing all of them in at the final fight. Like that would be cool. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Also, okay. So the the sacrifice thing. Who's gonna like battle to sacrifice each other? I feel okay. This sounds crazy, but would it be between Cyclops and Wolverine deciding who's gonna kill themselves for the other person? It can't be though. I Wolverine can't be involved. He can't die. Although I guess in this situation, he would finally die. I, yeah, wait, you're right. So oh, well, he would want to do Scott it Scott and Gene? I don't know. It's no, like, I mean, I Scott don't... and Logan works pretty well, actually, because like, I don't know. I wonder who would who would do it. Maybe Logan. I feel like that would be so much more interesting to have Logan die than freaking Black Widow. Like that whole plot line was so dumb. Sorry. Sorry to that movie. But it, it was dumb. Uh, uh, I mean, like. <laughs> I, you know my feelings on game. I like the beginning that the, there's three acts. I like the first act, the second act, and then all that shit in the middle is fucking stupid. Yeah. Like that's how I feel about that. As for the heavy hitters, Storm has to be one of them. I feel like Jean also does if the Phoenix is on her side. I don't know who the other one is. No, see, okay, but see, no, Jean, Jean would not be, Jean would be Captain Marvel where she shows up like towards the end of the battle and just blows everything mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I could see like that. Like she just appears in the sky. Like she, the heavy heater headers would probably be. It like it has to be your top. I don't know your top X one. I think you're right. That storm is leading that. Yeah, I mean, can front. we keep Wanda? Wanda's pretty useful. <laughs> well, Wanda's already doing something. I in know. This. I know. <laughs> she's, Wanda's she's already, already in there. the movie. I know. Um, I don't know. I feel like it would be like Storm magneto yeah would it be rogue probably oh rogue would be a good choice i mean like it would be fun i like this lineup yeah yeah i like that too storm magneto and rogue coming in to fucking kick some ass that'd be pretty sweet right and then we have blink like teleporting in all these different characters at the end for the that giant big battle yeah, wolverine's dead for some reason yeah you know what's really funny if you took that like a screen cap of like the entire like field of people battling and Avengers Endgame, 
you could still assign just as many X-Men characters that exist. Like that's how many X-Men characters there are. I know. Anyway. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. That's, that's a fun Bronte. Uh, oh my God. Brain tease. Bronte. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun thing. That was a fun activity. Um, okay. So we have two questions here from Brock. Actually, I'll read the first one. Okay. Oh my God. This, it's kind of weird. Okay. So with question number one, uh, sorry, it's not weird. It's like the way that he broke it down because he, He's a teacher, so like he does a very good job. Like it's like written with like different colors and bullet points. So these are essay questions. Yeah, for pretty much. Okay, so question number one: Who would your partner Pokemon be? Answer answer could be in terms of you as a geek just having a favorite pocket monster to you pick as a partner. Being a you version of Ash Ketchum in the anime manga, want to be the very best battler or champion, or just like a realistic normal partner based on your personality and career, like an NPC has a certain partner. I think it's funny that we've been asked about Pokemon, which like this is an X-Men show, but we talk about Pokemon so much that now we're getting questions about Pokemon. It's like that or Resident Evil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. How often do you play Pokemon, Maddie? Do you ever like pick the same Pokemon for your team as the games continue on or care like Pokemon that are similar to that? Like... Like, I'm a fire Pokemon person. I have a lot of fire Pokemon and water Pokemon. And, like, that's usually Mm -hmm. it. Like, I don't know if this is just me wanting to be, like, in charge of everything. But, like, it's always, like, I've got, like, Charizard and, like, Mewtwo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want Mewtwo? But, like, he can't be tamed. Um, I feel like I picked Jigglypuff the first time I played Pokemon Red. And then that was, like, my my power player for whatever bizarre reason. (laughs) But then I didn't do that again any other time that I played Pokemon. I just was like, I'm just going to make this one Jigglypuff really fucking powerful. And then the rest of my team was, like, fine. But, yeah, that Jigglypuff. Oh, my God. I love that story that we always share where you and I both wasted a Master Ball on a Ditto. Oh, yeah. Like, without, without, it was, like, did it on our own and then called each other the next day and both reveal to each other that we've made the same stupid mistake i know i know i mean i still have that rock that you painted to look like a ditto on my on my windowsill behind me right now and i look at it and i'm like oh that's fantastic ditto ditto so yeah both the the true answer for both of us is a ditto because we're idiots and we were like oh my god it's a pokemon that can turn into any other pokemon that's got to be the most powerful pokemon of all time it's not it's not at all but um, <laughs> we thought that it was. And so we're stuck with dittos, I think. Yeah, we basically like Nickelodeon's Gak as our favorite Pokemon partner. Or like Mystique <laughs> as our as our Pokemon po- partner. That's true. That's true. I mean, I know in the games that I always have like a fire team lineup. Like I always have, I always have Charizard. Yeah, I mean, your real answer is Charmander. Charmander Char. That was your fave Pokemon growing up and it still is I now. I still love him. He's adorable. Although, I, yeah, I loved Charmander as a kid and I still do now. But like as I became an adult, I was like, oh, hey, I really, really, enjoy charizard Mm -hmm. all right question number two um this was an interesting question because he posed it on uh the discord originally then wrote in sort of a follow-up that was a little bit more streamlined okay so i might be able to actually help with what the question is so (laughs) question number two what's the quick summary for and resume for maddie and ryan in terms of your career path education and which parts of your very online selves is for work (laughs) And which one is for fun, etc. Oh God, Ryan! I'm really curious about knowing more about what you do and what your goals and dreams are in relation to all the great content you produce. I like your work. I wonder about your formal education, given the production value and the way you discuss things like analyzing the set for New Mutants. How you allocate allocate your time would be interesting as well, since a lot of my students would l- want t- to be like you, and they don't really truly understand the work that goes into making what you make. 
So anyway, yeah. And with Maddie, I'm really curious about how she draws that professional and personal line because she's a big deal from my perspective. And I do know more about her background at the Phoenix from triple click convos. But then sometimes I wonder if she worries at all about making a joke on mutant agents or triple click, then getting in trouble with her bosses at Polygon. <laughs> and just generally how much HR stuff she has to go through to do podcasts on top of being a full-time editor. And to follow this up, the conversation also included in Discord, how do we balance being people that are online entities that gets a lot of attention. And, you know, I it led into a conversation where I said, I'm like, well, Maddie is very much like the bigger online entity than I am. And I was like, however, I was very big in the convention and seen for a very long time and like bigger than me, for sure. Like for a long time, Ryan was the famous one of the two of us. And like, it kind of flipped over time. And now we're kind of now I'm kind of getting back to that level again, which is. Yeah, great. I think Ryan is a lot better at being famous in person with people and being very charming in person. I'm kind of awkward in person, um, but Ryan <laughs> Ryan's very uh, gregarious and charming. If you meet him in real life um, and oh, well, thank sort you. of naturally gravitates towards like an in-person leadership role. So so that's why he was very popular in the con scene uh, and like had a lot of power, literally, in that, <laughs> in that scene. Yeah. Do you want to answer the question on your own behalf first and like describe your life? Yeah. I mean, we're not going to do like a full summary here because that would take a long time. And I did answer to the best that I could because I, I did talk about a little bit how we both have to be careful about what we say and I'll get into that in a second. So anyway, um, you know, what's really interesting is that I have not had a solid path in terms of my career for most of my life. I did not go to college right out of high school. Mm -hmm. Like I basically fucked around that first summer, which was like one of my favorite summers. I do not regret that decision. Um, and because school was so traumatic for me, like across, like, I don't know, like all of grade school was really, really awful and traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I'm now resolve, resolving through therapy and seeing sort of like the mental, I wouldn't say damage. It's like the mental distractions that my brain started to do to like get away from a lot of the things that school did to me. Like I did not want to be in school. Mm -hmm. So now I do as an adult, I would love to go back. Um, I did go back like very briefly and I don't know, like uh, I did a year at mass art and then I did a year at, Mass Bay Community College. And I was originally going to Mass Art to do comic book illustrations. So I guess that tracks. Mm -hmm. Decided I hated those deadlines because of all the things that I do in terms of production, like those were the worst, de worst deadlines ever. Yeah. And then Mass Bay was just going to be a, an English degree to then transfer over into doing a different degree at a different school, mm -hmm. which I had, didn't finish. And instead, I wound up getting involved with this convention called Kineticon and a bunch of other conventions where we were just talking about how, like how I climbed up in that scene because I wanted to run better events because I come from a theater background with my my mom, who was a dance studio. Yep owner and so like i was surrounded by like top grade production value and i had been to disney world and i had always been like very 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 um inspired by disney to do something that was like high quality production like they do like mm -hmm. i feel like do your best so that's what i brought to the con scene and that's like what i did for very, i don't know like i was talking about it just the other day i'm like i did that for like seven years straight then after the con scene i kind of shifted into doing all the online content which i think i was doing before even you were like super into the journalism scene at that point yeah i mean well we were always friends and working on stuff together we were all yeah like maddie and i've been doing projects together forever but like i basically like it took me a while to figure out what it is i wanted to be doing or like right now like, around the time that we were doing the very beginning of the mutant ages like i like i miss doing shows and i i 
part of me wants to go back to that again but like no i'm with I you truly since i was a kid like have been vlogging like and i've always wanted that to be the thing i want to do and i've always wanted to do like video editing professionally and i finally had the chance to do that through Kineticon and the past couple of businesses that i worked for and while i do marketing full-time now it usually gets to utilize those things but for a very 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 long time i wanted to like be like you know like a movie director like mm -hmm. i and like i was very obsessed with like that things like i didn't necessarily want it to act but i really really wanted to go direct movies and i still could someday but like at this point in life i've i've kind of really figured out my goals in which like i i love this podcast i love podcasting in general you know i love my youtube content i love the twitch stuff i love creating like videos and like i'm very much good at that and i love event management and i i want to stick to that and i want to take those skill sets and in 10 years be working for a company like disney that will make use of those and then continue to grow from there mm -hmm. but yeah like it's just like i just I, I i come from a background that valued high production in the first place so now i expect yeah that. and i mean i think you i think you always took to that i mean we've described you know obviously we we had d-men and d2 when we were teenagers and we were like making these full-length movies which aren't good but like the fact that we were doing it and that you directed those and corralled everybody to make them and I've like directed a lot of shows at this point yeah like, i mean like since then you directed shows but like we also had the haunted houses when we were teenagers and like now that's something you do professionally as well as like you take part in these um actual in-person theatrical productions which i think has always been your gift is like real live shows and like preparing for any eventuality in a live show which is different from online i mean like you know we do online shows but like stuff like preparing for the mutant ages live stream that we did for the holiday special like it got me in the zone of something we haven't done for so long that's so fun which is like let's prepare something live let's perform something live and i played music and like rehearsed it and i was like this is like a live show i mean it's like the closest thing to what we used to do all the time, which is like basically theater. I mean, I loved that too. Yeah, and I, I do miss, miss the thrill of it. Like, I forget what I was doing recently. I think it had something to do with Six Flags. Oh yeah, so I was in Six Flags Great Adventure and we were getting on the Justice League Hall of Justice ride, which was kind of like a universal ride, but like while we were in line, it like stopped working. It's just like <laughs> one of those very dark rides you get on and it's like, it, it's very immersive. It's a video game at the same time. And like, they have all this like animatronics and shit that you go through and like between the video game parts to do it. And I'm like sitting there and all I could think about was like the tech and how they were doing this because my friends were like, I don't understand how hard it is for them to get this running. It's not even like a real ride. I'm like, do you know, understand how hard it is to cue this kind of stuff? Up? Yeah, it's so <laughs> and, like, difficult. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> and like, that's the kind of stuff that we do all the time. And like when you and I went to Disney with Katie, like that was what we were obsessed with was looking at how everything worked yeah. and like looking behind the curtain as it were. Yeah. I mean, Katie's also another one. Oh yeah. Katie always was stage managing all of our bullshit. I mean, like that's why we work so well together is because we've been doing it for like 20 years. I don't know. And it started with like, you know, role playing in Katie's backyard and then eventually we were like what if we did it on a stage and then we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like that is pretty much what happened i mean what about you maddie like in terms of like how your career and, yeah like, how i mean i feel like this kind of dovetails with my answers which i feel like the the answer that i'd never really bother to give on triple click because like no one fucking cares and they just want to hear about my games journalism career on there which is completely fine um, is that for a long time, I also thought that I wanted to do theater and like, I did like a lot of local theater in Boston after I graduated school and like, I was working for the Phoenix, but yeah. at night, especially for those first few years, 
I was doing a lot of theater and I was also working on convention stuff a lot with you and like working for you. Like you were my boss um, and I was working on shows for you and like making stuff. That's always weird to say it when you think about that. (laughs) I know, but it was fun. It was great. You were a good boss. And like, I just, that was what I thought I wanted to do was like be a performer. And like, I also really like directing and like managing stuff and I mean, now I sort of do it in a different way. Like I'm an editor and I manage people at work and I still use those leadership skills in a different way. But there's certainly parts of my job that I'm like, this isn't really like performing. And I think the closest thing to that that I still do now is podcasting, which is part of why I do it. That's how I feel about it, too. Like I I miss the performing aspect. Now, I still get to do the haunts, but like yes. even like this year, I'm not necessarily going to be performing because I'm going to be running things behind the scenes because here's the thing like i've always enjoyed directing and being in charge of stuff and i also like being on stage and Mm -hmm. it's this is funny because it came up in the discord today because i posted some photos from the clue cosplay group i was involved in like 2008 right yeah and it turned into some of our listeners who actually had seen us like elena for example in shows that we used to do at kineticon and I was thinking about our troop of actors that we had because we basically had a troop of actors for seven years that like traveled with us and did all the different shows that we did mm-hmm. and like how we had a very good group. And like, I missed that. I do miss that. But there's also days like recently, like I'm really, really proud of and happy of having the podcast now and that like my performances and production value is going into that and into this vlog that I have that goes around to theme parks and resorts and stuff and like how much fun that is. Mm-hmm. I really and genuinely enjoy what I'm doing because while I love doing the, all the acting and productions and I probably will be involved with one again, like it's me. Like, I don't think you and I will truly ever get away from that. Probably not. We'll write an X-Men musical. It'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just I'm really doing stuff for myself and it's great like you know and i've opened up a photography and videography website so like i don't know i'm having a good time and it is it's it is interesting and i do think it, there is a professional line that you and i have always had to walk because we've had a lot of people looking at us i think yes. more people were looking at me originally and then it shifted to you well, at some point uh, it depends on whether we're talking about like in person or online but i i do feel like doing theater and being involved in a convention scene where you can become kind of micro famous among a group of people locally or like i was in bands for a long time and i would be like famous micro famous among like local scenes uh, in music or whatever. And you kind of get used to people recognizing you and knowing you from something specific and like knowing how to react to that. And we got a lot of practice with that, like when we were pretty young. And it it doesn't mean that it makes it easier for me if like, you know, I go viral and a bunch of people are harassing me on the internet. I feel like that was a different skill I had to learn. But the idea of like, oh, I'm a performer. I'm playing a persona. I'm people don't know the real me. They know this version of me that they're seeing. I do feel like both of us have gotten pretty good at understanding that and being really patient about that. We've we've had people be fans, quote unquote, of us for a while, which it sounds like we're bragging or something. But like, it's not it's just the reality of it is that we were like, well, this is what we chose to do we're choosing to be public figures and like we like performing and attention because we're egotists so like right. it, it means that people come up with us come up to us and be like i know you from this i know you from that and right and we had to find ways to 
react to that in a healthy way and deal with it in a healthy way. And I, I think we've achieved that. Yeah, I think so too. And I think also it, no one at Polygon cares what I say on my podcast. That's literally yeah, know, never been a problem. Here's the, here's the thing that like, <laughs> no one cares. All, these, all, all my, all my jobs that I've had, they like, don't even check the fact Nobody that gives I have a, like, a podcast or a YouTube. They, they, they just think they're like hobbies, but don't they totally are. understand it. I mean, they also, are. And like at Polygon, people know, I mean, when I got hired at Polygon, I had to like say that I had these projects outside yeah. of work, but as long as I work on it outside, work hours no one gives a I, shit I, and i also like try to avoid any i i mean you you will go a little into it but i noticed that you steer clear for, for a lot uh as well on twitter is like just for the most part not getting super involved with politics online is like really smart way to go to keep yourself clean of yeah i don't know I like, mean, like sometimes saying the I'll... wrong thing by accident you know <laughs> well, yes of course but i i feel like it's also like i just think a lot about what i want to say and what i want to put out there and i feel like the bigger platform you have, the more you want to be sure that you're standing exactly. up for the right things that matter to you. And like, that is not stuff that we thought about when we were like putting on stupid shows. Like, I feel like we became more politically aware over I, time. I, mean, I, th I started thinking about it more when I became the vice president of Connecticut for those last couple of years. And yep. like, I was really like in the camera's eye and like doing press junkets and stuff. Yeah. So like, I became very hyper aware of that. And especially since it was community that had a very like diverse community. And I wanted to, make sure that was known and also like protected and that that the con was respecting all the different people who go to it yeah, and exactly exactly yeah. so i mean i don't know it's it these are great questions we could go on to it for a long time but like i i did answer a lot more in discord at the time because mm -hmm. i I'm like you know maddie does not respond to nearly as much stuff <laughs> As well, I, I feel I do, like this I is a better question for you because you haven't ever yeah. done like a, this is my full career retrospective and it's included so many things you did on the list where you'll right. just do random projects for well, fun. I mean, like, or, I, I, there's, they, Maddie will receive a lot more hate mail than I have. And while it's happened to me in the past, like Maddie, Maddie as somebody who is a online journalist and sort of this on online entity that people look at, like they're like, there's people who like read your stuff and basically will shit all over it, create like a huge <laughs> fucking drama. Well, but whatever. Then they, they always kind of fucking come back. So I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, why do you keep reading this if you don't like it? You uh, know? Because they actually love it. I don't know. That, it's exactly as, but yeah. So like, because of that, it kind of makes it that you have to like be very careful about like who you're even interacting with online. I know. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, that is sort of like a liability of doing a project with me now is that now you have to be like, oh, great. There's going to be a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a bunch of really awesome people who follow us as well. Yeah, and exactly. that's great. Love those people. All right. I'm going to move on to the next one. That was that was a lengthy question, but it was a very interesting one. It was so fun. getting back to some of the X-Men stuff, I'm going to send you this next question so you can read it. Okay. This is from Clinton. Yeah. Clinton writes, I think one way the MCU could introduce Xavier and maybe one-up the comics and all prior adaptations is by giving him diagnosed OCD. Hmm. While many know he already expresses many commonly known traits, one lesser known symptom many people with OCD suffer from is something Charles has shown repeatedly throughout his history, like with Onslaught, violent obsessions. They definitely need to be careful not to vilify those with OCD, but could use that as a way of explaining how he sometimes seems to want to murder everyone around him. Thanks for taking time to read this and hope you're both faring well while the world tries to get back to normal too quickly. <laughs> Regards, Clinton Kindle. All right, Clinton, I... Don't know how to answer this question. I don't know either because, like, I mean, <laughs> we're going back to this, like, we wish they gave diagnoses, but I feel I don't like, know. is this a thing? I don't. I feel like I don't know enough about this to answer this. Like the violent obsessions, I think, comes out of um, 
the anxiety yeah but, i guess i mean it could also it could also be like somebody that gets really focused on something and yeah in a violent or way. like um obtrusive thoughts basically like you know that thing where like you sort of imagine yourself throwing yourself on the train tracks involuntarily whenever you see the yeah. train tracks like that obtrusive thoughts that you're like i'm not gonna do this but like what if i did and you just have a flicker of a thought you know what i'm talking about i do i just i feel like he i don't think if Professor Xavier has OCD personally. I think he's just a narcissist. <laughs> I agree, actually. I, I don't actually think he has OCD. I mean, I'm basing it on like, you're the person with OCD that I know. Although also, I, I okay, I know other people with OCD. I know other people with OCD. Yeah. But, well, I mean, like I, I've been diagnosed with OCD in the past, but now, now we're looking at it through therapy where we think, again, going back to the whole school trauma thing, yes. we think that I developed OCD and ADHD tendencies to deal with like extreme anxiety and trauma i mean that's like a real thing where like you know symptoms can become much more severe because you're repressing things or dealing with trauma right i mean that's another interesting thing so like people can develop narcissistic personality disorder from trauma as well which is really interesting right. like if you it have is, a traumatic event you can sort of convince yourself in order to overcome it that you're very important and special because that's what you need to do in that moment in order to survive this trauma and like right. that's kind of maybe what charles has gone through is like you know obviously he's had all these he's had trauma even though he's a poor little rich boy he certainly had his traumas and um he's had to convince himself he's very important and special in order to survive but it's gone too far the other direction i, I feel like xavier th always thought he was important and special because that's what he was told until like all yeah. that weird parenting shit happened and then he kept on repeating to himself that he is important and special yeah until it be he became obsessed with it so that could be like ocd like he could be like narcissistic and then develop ocd tendencies through that Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I feel like I he, he doesn't need to be OCD in order to have some of his, his obsessions, though. Um, I yeah, still feel like true. he could he could just be a narcissist. I don't know. He could be? He could be. He is. I mean, I, that's why the reason I'm saying could be is because I'm like, I don't know how they're going to write him in the MCU. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like, either. Who knows? We'll find. I hope they don't fuck it up. Me basically. too. I, me he needs to be a supervillain. too. <laughs> All right. So next question from Baba Teet. I do have a question. If you were Apocalypse, who would you pick as pick to recruit as your four horsemen to help you conquer the world Ooh. and overthrow a disaster capitalism? It could be any four X-Men characters and then any four characters from anything. <laughs> okay. So like first you pick four X-Men characters and then second yes. you pick four characters from anything at all? Yes. Okay. Well, gotta pick Wolverine. <laughs> for for the X-Men? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rogue. Storm. Jean Grey? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like my top four characters every time <laughs> here here are my top four characters well i could have put emma in there hmm. i uh no i don't because emma frost would not be like recruited yeah as, also as i feel a, like emma emma's like too strong-willed and she would just break out of the brainwashing that apocalypse would try to do like instantly and she'd be like yeah i'm not doing this i'm not one of your horsemen fuck off <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would keep archangel honestly because oh, like yeah that, Warren. He was the originals. I like Warren. I also would pick Storm. Mm -hmm. I think that's fun. I liked an X-Men Evolution, which we'll eventually get to. Mystique gets chosen as one, and she like gets like this shape-shifting upgrade where she can also like multiply and shit. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, because they all get like superpower upgrades, right? Of course. Yeah, they like become more powerful than ever thanks to Apocalypse's like injection. Right. <laughs> his his gay injection. And then yeah. I probably also choose Iceman because I think that's another Omega mutant that I'd want mm -hmm. running around there. 
So those are my choices. Yeah. And plus he would be your sexy boyfriend as part of this as well. Yeah. I guess he'd be the Mr. Sinister to my apocalypse. So now we have to choose four other characters. Yeah. It, it could be like from anything. From anything. Like just, uh, oh God, this is much harder. Like I Maddie's know. just going to be like, She-Ra, Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Like looks around the room. What do we have? Yeah. <laughs> Samus Aaron and. Um, oh yeah. Samus Aaron. I don't know. Marcus Phoenix. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I just literally looked around. I don't know either like i i'm thinking like ganondorf <laughs> you know what that's a really good choice you should pick ganondorf ganondorf like sephiroth mewtwo <laughs> and probably freddy krueger <laughs> oh my god okay that's hilarious <laughs> and we all do like nasty boys poses that's incredible i hope somebody draws that me too somebody like draw this and or, like, it photoshops it. it so that like ryan's head is on apocalypse's face <laughs> and then like each of the other characters characters is like pasted <laughs> over like Warren and, and so on. Oh my God. Well, that, yeah, sure. There we go. All right. I'm going to send you this other big email for you to read from Tim. And then we have a couple more and we'll be at the end here. Okay. So this email's from Tim who writes, hi, Ryan and Maddie. I found your podcast a few months ago when a friend texted me, Hey, I saw a podcast that said gay and X-Men evolution and thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> Great friend. X-Men Evolution was my formative X-Men cartoon, but for some reason, I've never found anyone to talk about how incredibly gay it was. As a horny gay 14-year-old without many friends, it was incredibly formative and meant a lot to me. I wanted to top Quicksilver, bottom for Gambit, and be angsty gal pals with Rogue and Scarlet Witch. Who doesn't, Tim? Who doesn't? I mean, like, yeah, I'm with you on all that. <laughs> Alone in my Brooklyn studio apartment all winter, the two of you have kept me company and made the quarantine scaries easier to deal with, especially when I loudly sing along to all of Maddie's theme songs. Even though I view the show with nostalgic goggles, I really appreciate the two of you calling out its problematic elements, particularly around anti-black racism, fat phobia, and abusive relationships. I can't wait for you to get to the gayest episode, Bayville Sirens. <laughs> I hope you liked it, Tim. Especially that wildly lesbian music video, which among other things taught us that even as a teenager, Jean was a femme top. Hell yes. Now I'm watching the original X-Men TAS for the first time so I can listen to you talk about it. And it's completely exceeded my expectations in terms of joyful superhero camp. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. I feel like it was made just for me. And it makes me feel like I'm hanging out with the queer nerd friends that I didn't have in middle school and high school. Keep it up and don't worry about the episodes being too long. I would happily listen to three hour episodes every week. This is so cute. This doesn't have a question. It's yeah. just a really nice email. I also, I also want to say, Tim, if you haven't joined the yes, join Discord, the Discord. Like, that's, that is the best. The Those best are thing. the queer nerd friends you deserve, Tim. Oh, they absolutely. are there for you in the Discord. And like, yeah. also, I hear you. It's really hard to find other people who gel with you when you're a kid. I remember my mom was like very annoyed that my best friends were... Uh, Ryan and Katie who were like 45 minutes away and I was like well mom <laughs> no one at my school understands me and she was like that's impossible but I was right and they did <laughs> your mom's just like oh, okay thanks Maddie <laughs> yeah anyway thanks so much Tim for writing and this is a really really great email that was a wonderful email yeah thank you you are the exact person that we want to find the show yeah we're also gonna do like a Disney scene along at some point of Maddie's theme song yeah so. maybe for the next live show we can do that yeah exactly okay we have a couple more questions and they are X-Men and video game related because I at this point our audience knows those are like the two things we do yeah so Brock first wrote in and said what video game from your youth like elementary and middle school would you like to see brought back assuming either it'll be great or knowing the risk it could suck uh i feel like they've done it with like all games at this point that i know <laughs> um yeah 
I don't even, know. Like, I was about to say Mist, but they did redo Mist. Yeah, they even remade um, that Zelda game for the Game Boy. Oh, fuck, what is that called? Oh, Link's Awakening. Oh, Link's Awakening. Okay, I would actually love for them to do... Uh, I was going to say Ocarina of Time. I want them to do a redo on. But, but like, they did do a redo for the 3DS, and it's really good. Did you play that? Yeah, it's not a redo. They just like amped up the graphics and stuff. It's kind of a redo. I mean, the controls are way easier, I feel oh, like. Oh, I agree, but I think, I think like a total remake. But yeah, you're right. I guess that's true. They should port that to the Switch for sure. I would love to to see them no i think they'd fuck it up actually i don't want them to do super mario rpg because like i feel like at this point like that is not whatever okay so here's a good answer from eighth grade i since we are we have final fantasy 7 being remade i really want them to do eight really mm. like because of that whole segregation of people that's like either on seven side or eight side i'm like i liked eight more but i also enjoyed seven so like can we just please remake both these games yeah I would love that. yeah i think that would be cool i would like to enjoy ff8 for the first time in my life. Um, I want them to just reboot Metroid. I've said that a billion times. I think they just need to start yeah. over. But they've also remade that too. They have. I mean, they've even remade um, Metroid 2, which is like the Game Boy game that like needs a little help. Um, they remade that for the for the DS. I liked that game too. Yeah, Samus I, like, Returns. It was yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I feel like those are my answers. I, I, yeah, I, like a lot of games I really liked as a kid. So like, many of these did. games are getting remade. Like the ones that we really like, they are getting remade now. I know. And that I know. is really interesting. It, it's because we're old. I know. So following up from Babo T is in a hypothetical X-Men Legends 3, who would you pick as a secret unlockable character? Mm. And everyone's like, ooh, I really want to hear the answer to this. So I guess that means like a character who would not be like, would it be like, unlockable like what's the difference between unlockable and secret unlockable or is it just like i don't know i guess like characters that you wouldn't expect to be unlockable in x-men so i guess like that would already take out like storm wolverine rogue jubilee emma frost like because they've already already been unlocked unlocked characters yeah so. so it needs to be like a weird character um x x23 uh yeah or mr fun. sinister mr sinister was mr. like sinister. the obvious answer that everyone's waiting for us to say right come on come on well, it's, and it's weird because i responded to this and said that game that i really love um future fight because that one basically is the same concept and you can play as so many x-men in that mm. uh, i want to play as polaris i would love to play as polaris that would be fun yeah that'd be cool or quentin choir I'd be down oh, for that. Oh, yeah. I Quentin think, Choir is a good answer, actually, because yeah. I feel like he, that would never happen, but it would be fun. Right. Yeah. And I've, I also feel like magic hasn't been done or Pixie, and I feel like both of those characters, like Pixie being able to use both magic and teleportation would be a really fun game in a dungeon crawler. Absolutely. That would definitely be fun. That would definitely be fun. Um, I also want Boom Boom just because I love Boom Boom. Has she never been? She's never been a playable character in anything. Wow. Okay. I know. I know. All I know. of the characters we should we just listed should be in a game together because that would be we'll just I mean we'll just sit there and we'll be like, okay, who else should be in this dungeon crawler? And we just like continue to list off. I don't think cable's ever been playable. Like I would play I would legitimately play as cable or bishop. That seems unbelievable. Okay, but Bishop's been in a ton of games. He doesn't need to be here. Like Bishop's had his day. Okay, fair. Okay. Well cable well cable's been like in only Cable's the... also been in a ton of stuff. I feel like a game where like Mr. Sinister is the villain who you play as for half the time for some reason. And then <laughs> No, you beat the game and then you play. And you're playing (gasps) against yourself. So it like it's like splitting back and forth between like Mr. Sinister and the Nasty Boys who you play as. And then you're playing as the heroes who are like X-23 leads a team of like Pixie, Boom Boom. (laughs) This is like such a Ryan and And, Oh, my God. And it's those it's those characters. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, there you go. That's the answer. Storm and Logan are dead and they're avenging their death. I don't know. It's very dramatic. It would be like a a story where all the main X-Men are too busy to dealing with like other shit and they're like yeah this isn't really a problem it's just mr sinister being stupid again and then 
Laura being like, well, I'm also Wolverine and I say that we should investigate this and then it turns out Laura's right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it turns out that like Mr. Sinister is like masterminding whatever the X-Men are busy with and it's like all part of his plan. I also think Archangel would be fun to play as because they, for whatever reason, he has not been playable in games. Yeah, wasn't he in that game that we played? Well, well, I'm talking about Rogers of the Apocalypse. Um, he, We had to fight against him, but he was in it, right? Oh, right, because in multiplayer mode, which we didn't play, you can play as the X-Men. Right. I, f- I don't know if this has been asked before, but this is the final question in which Baba Teet asks, who are Jubilee's favorite Smash characters? <laughs> I feel like this has been asked before, or at least like what games would Jubilee play? And we like came up with Super oh, Smash yeah, Brothers. It was, it was, I think that's what it's been. I don't think we came with the Smash Brothers. Oh God, I'm going to have to open up the Super Smash Brothers. Like who does Jubilee main in Super Smash Brothers? Oh, hold on. I got to open it up because yeah, there's so to, many characters We need to look now. at the full <laughs> list of characters. That is still not fully revealed yet, by the way. I know, but we're just going to base it on what we have. She would not play as any of these new characters. She might play as Min Min, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I could see her playing as Pikachu. Yeah, I feel like she'd be a Pikachu main or Kirby. Yeah, I could see Kirby. I feel like she'd do like not necessarily like troll plays, but she'd be like very, very methodical. Um, Yeah, we're like looking at all this stuff now. I know. I, f- I could see her playing Mr. Game and Watch. I was going to say Mr. Game and Watch originally, too, because like that would be really funny. But I think she would also I think she would absolutely play as Wolf because of Wolverine. Yes. And she would think that was funny. I feel like Jubilee would have a few characters that she's really good at. Yeah. And she'd have counter picks. She'd have picks and counter picks for people's Yeah, like picks. we all do. I mean, there's so many characters now that you would have to. Mm-hmm. Actually, she'd probably play as Pac-Man, too, because she's an arcade junkie. Just for fun. I mean, is Pac-Man even good in that game? I feel like I never see anybody pick him. Um, I feel like all the characters are good if you know how to play them and if they're balanced correctly. Unlike Pyra and what's her name? Yeah, I mean, that's what people always say about Ultimate is that like it's actually pretty well balanced compared to previous Smash games. All right, it's time for the Mutant Ages comic book, but first I'm going to get some water. Okay. That was my reading water. Because <laughs> it is time for the Mutant Ages, the comic book. Mm. And can you believe this is issue number eight? I can't actually. I can't believe how I wrote this in as a joke one day, and now now it's like an actual plot line that like has yeah. complex. I wouldn't. I don't know how complex it complex it well, is. Well, I mean, it's somewhat complex. I don't know. But I, I appreciate that our listeners enjoyed as much as we do. And so last episode, uh, we got our ship, the Discorda, and it was us trying to figure out how to use the ship for like the entire issue or yep. episode, I should say, and then. Um, let's see. Corsair boarded the ship with the Star Dreamers, along with <laughs> Mutant Ages artist Madeline, who yep. was just with Canvas. them. Canvas. And she was working with them because she liked the orgies. Yep. And But then she decided not to fight alongside them. She just chilled. Yeah, exactly. And then then Cable showed up and said we all had to work together to go to Elder Baron 5 and find out who the Baron was because they think the Baron is fucking with the timeline. So that's basically as far as we've gotten. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And also Cloakie. Cloakie's here. Oh, yeah. Cloakie's a character now. Cloakie is the product of you and Katie's powers. And I don't yes. fully get how that works, but it's yeah, fine. I, 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 it may get retconned later when, like, eventually Mystique recognizes Cloakie. It's like, why is part of me walking around now? Yeah. It's like the Clayface thing where sometimes Clayface loses parts of himself and then they also come to life. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... We are going to Elderberry 5, which is a casino. And I don't, I mean, everybody has superpowers. Maddie is MIDI. She can turn her, only her music into blasts of light. Beams. 
like cyclops beams <laughs> yes and i'm snapshot and i like have all these weird camera related powers that come out of my eyes so i can like briefly rewind things that are in my view and freeze frame them or pause them or whatever so yeah and take pictures and blind them yeah katie can like inhabit objects and use their powers and, and talk to them todd can write things down on a piece of paper and they become real briefly and then madeline is canvas madeline shoots ink at people <laughs> <laughs> and we have we have a very strange array of powers yeah okay so let's get into this because we don't want to be here all day yeah um but well, I mean, you guys yeah, can listen do. to it as many breaks as you want. So there's that. Okay, so this is called Elder Baron 5 Part 1 because I did not do the Ryan Pagella strategy where I'm like, here's a short story and I send Maddie 25 pages worth of text. So <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's like half that at least. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, you always start out these sections by being like, this is a short one. And then like the actual episode length is like 25 minutes and people can look down at their iPhone and be like, yeah, okay, Ryan, you said it was short. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, at this point, I recognize that. All right, so here we go. Bright neon lights lit up the dimly lit casino. That's already wrong, right? I can't believe I wrote that right. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I get what you yeah, meant. That, that was bad. I probably should have proofread this. Uh, the smell of food, smoke, and spilled drinks filled the air. The sound of slot machines chimed in a static over the sound of the bass booming from the nearby club. Mm. Laughter and yelling filled the room. Aliens of all colors and shapes roamed the floor, drinking fluorescent colored alcohol out of their glasses. Finally, we learned of Elder Baron 5. <laughs> the crew of the Mutant Ages stood at the top of the luxurious stairwell that led down to the main casino floor. Maddie wore a dark suit jacket over a gray button down with a pinstripe miniskirt and black tights. Adorable. Yeah, it's absolutely what you would wear. Mm -hmm. Ryan stood next to her wearing a black suit with a pink button down shirt with no tie. <laughs> Katie wore a cute red dress that frilled at the bottom and Cloakie was wrapped around her neck like a scarf. <laughs> Todd wore a cute vest over a button-down shirt and sl nice slacks, and Madeline wore a pantsuit that made her look like she was auditioning for Dick Tracy. <laughs> they looked around the room okay. of the sailing casino. Logan stepped up next to Ryan wearing a black tux and a cowboy hat and a little necklace. Well, we all going to keep staring or are we going to get some action, bub? Logan said. We're on an alien spaceship casino that looks like it was plucked right out of Cowboy Bebop. Give us a second to process, Todd said. Cable walked up behind them in an oversized suit that was basically falling apart like the apocalypse had followed his wardrobe. Remember, stick to the exact plan to the mission. It is intricate to our success, Cable said, a gust of wind blowing dramatically into his war-tattered tux. I've got eyes and ears on the whole operation. <laughs> How the hell do you keep plan on blending in to be our eyes and ears when you look like Gil Gunderson from The Simpsons, <laughs> Katie commented on Cable's attire. <laughs> oh, I'm not your ears and eyes. I'll be in the tunnels hunting for the Baron, Cable said dramatically. She will be your ears and eyes. Just on cue, the amazing Emma Frost walked down the stairwell in a glorious lawn and sparkling white dress. If you got real close, you could see that the sparkling was actually just thousands of tiny diamonds integrated into her dress. Yes. Emma, Maddie exclaimed in excitement. But how did you get into space? We can grow Krakowian gates anywhere, darling, Emma replied casually. Okay, sure. But why did you have us pilot a spaceship if we could have just teleported here with the time travel gun, Maddie pointed out. It's not that hard to understand. Didn't Cable explain any of this? Emma asked, annoyed. He kind of droned on for an hour about saving his shitty future and seemed to have an existential crisis about whether he was killed by his teenage self or not before <laughs> giving us some spark notes on how we are going to find the Baron here, Matty replied. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, what an idiot. This could only be more annoying if a red-haired psychic was here to scream like a banshee. <laughs> Thankfully, I sent her on a fool's errand to use Cerebro, and it was only moments before she had a slight headache and she was useless to this mission, Emma said casually. 
Personally, I think she is always useless, but no no time for that now. We must find the Baron and then teleport him into Discorder before this timeline gets any more confusing than an Darren Aronofsky movie. <laughs> Wait, Emma? Logan piped up. Everyone <laughs> stared at him. Oh, dear God, I'm far too sober for this, Emma said. She snapped her fingers. A blue waiter handed her a glass of some sparkling white drink. She snapped her fingers again. To everyone's surprise, in walked Gambit Rogue, Jubilee, and Beast. Wow, it's all the X-Men we've met so far, Ryan said directly into his camera. He paused. <laughs> well, except for Scott, but he doesn't count. He can't even close his eyes. I requested Emma to bring in a little help to assist with this mission. We will need all hands on deck, and these guys are the only ones who are aware of the timeline that has been changing from your travels. The Star Drummers are already mingling in the crowd for information, Cable said. Everyone pair up. Maddie, you're with Rogue. Todd, this is Beast. Ryan and Logan, you're with Jubilee. And Katie... With Gambit, Katie said, her arm already wrapped around him. <laughs> Katie always knows where to go to have a good time, Gambit said with a wink. It's not what you think, I promise, Katie said innocently. I took care of him when a whole toy store was shoved up his ass by the Friends of Humanity. <laughs> now I don't know what to think, Todd said, seriously arching his eyebrow. I will be on the floor keeping an eye on things for when I inevitably need to clean up your mess, Emma replied. Sage has been transported to Discord for further information processing, but I think she's been a tad antisocial. Do we get team names? Ryan asked. I want to be team purple. <laughs> no, everyone get to work. I'll be crawling around through the tunnels. Cable said, cocking a massive gun that was completely unnecessary and made us all wonder exactly what that was all about. <laughs> he walked over to a nearby vent, used some kind of laser out of a floating cube next to him to melt off the hinges and crawled inside it. The group dispersed into their teams. Katie and Gambit walked onto the poker floor. Cloaky reached out one blanketed arm towards a waitress carrying a tray of drinks, but Katie batted his hands away. Gambit made eyes with a very attractive alien gentleman in a casino attire, his gaze following him across the floor. Just one minute, Cher. Gambit has some quick business. Wood in the jackpot, Gambit said. He quickly left. Seriously? It's been five minutes and your dick responds like it's been summoned by a snake charmer, Katie yelled. She sighed and plopped down on a bench. A full half an hour later, Gambit emerged from the crowd wearing a casino attire. She stared at him for what felt like 20 minutes. What part of important mission did you not understand? And when do you have time to change? Don't worry about it, Petite. Gambit had to put something on after the janitor's closet, Champion said with a wink. <laughs> Dare I ask where your other clothes went? Katie asked. They got lost, Gambit said with another <laughs> wink. Stop winking at me, Katie yelled. Sorry, Gambit had something in his eye that time. Come on, Cher. <laughs> Gambit said, pulling Katie towards a nearby blackjack table. Gambit went behind the table and Katie took a seat next to a woman with pale skin and blue hair. The woman took one good look at Katie and snorted. I'm sorry, is there a problem here? I get enough attitude on the tee, Katie said, glaring at the woman. I didn't expect someone of your stature to play this game, the woman replied. Katie glared at the woman. Cloakley started to rise up while gasping, but Katie batted him away. <laughs> Gambit pulled out a deck of cards. Remember, Emma's voice echoed into their heads. Cable's intel said that the Baron last sat at this table. Throw the match and get Katie the chip the Baron lost in his bet. Hmm. Thanks for the recap, Katie muttered out loud. <laughs> the blue-haired woman eyed Katie, then placed a chip into the betting circle. Katie did the same. Cloakie also put three chips out, which Katie quickly retracted when the woman wasn't looking. Uh, Gambit did a little show, shuffling the cards, whipping them around while spinning and doing a backflip, and then winking at the woman, who oh kind of scowled at him. Gambit dealt the cards. The woman scowled again, throwing down her hand to show that she had three canes. Katie chuckled and flipped her cards over to show that she had a cane of hearts, nine of spades, and two of diamonds. Gambit pulled out the chip, flipped it with a little static charge for her show, and tossed it to Katie. 
Katie caught the chip and looked down at it, which grew two little eyes and a mouth. Hey, little guy, could you do me a favor and tell me where you've been lately? Katie asked the chip. I was, in a, I was with a man in a secret room. He put a code of 6969 before shoveling me into his pocket. He was, five, he was with five other men. One of them was lawn and purple. I didn't know. I didn't see anything else. I swear, the chip said. <laughs> Long and purple is one of them Gumby. What is <laughs> no? You'll figure it out later, but I like that answer. Oh God! Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, thanks. You've been a big, well, tiny but big help. You will keep an eye out for that purple guy. Katie said. She placed the chip down, and its eyes and mouth disappeared. Gambit looked at Katie. Gambit turned on that you got the information, but maybe a little bit more subtle next time. No. Gambit said, nodding his head towards the blue-haired woman. But to their surprise, she was no longer there. Mm. Damn. Guess Gambit's charm was too much for her. That was surprisingly acceptable work roleplay, Emma said telepathically. I have eyes on your purple man right now. Gorgeous George has Uh, entered the rocket ship to Uranus Club. Of course. Of course. The rocket ship to Uranus Club, of course. And Katie says, wow. Is it really (laughs) called that, Katie asked? (laughs) Apparently so. Aptly named a sinister and his gay boy band of poor stars are here, Emma said. <laughs> Logan, Ryan, and Jubilee keep an eye on George in the club. In the club, Ryan and Jubilee danced in the center of the floor. A giant phallic-shaped rocket ship blasted into a planet that was shaped like a butt. <laughs> Daft Punk played some sick beats from the DJ booth. Leela, Han Solo, and Hordak all did shots in the background. Great. Logan sat at the bar drinking a beer looking like a big old grump. Wow, this is so rad. How come Emma didn't tell, let us meet before this? Jubilee shouted over the music. You play Super Smash Brothers and you go to gay clubs? Yeah, I'm new to the X-Men, Ryan shouted back. I used to be super goth until I embraced being a beach bum. I even had a vampire phase. <laughs> no way, me too, dude, Jubilee said. Did Dracula give you the bite? Actually, Dracula was my dad and I was the 10th clone of Dracula created by my boyfriend, Albert Wesker, at the Umbrella Corporation as a project to fight Sailor Saturn who went evil and tried to destroy the planet. I also had sex with Dracula. It was a complicated time, Ryan said. (laughs) Still less complicated than anything that happens to old grumpy pants over there, Jubilee said, pointing at Logan. Although he did get amnesia once and thought he was the lead of the musical Boy From Oz. That was an interesting phase. We've all been there. Do you know how hard it is to perform a musical without with no monitors, Ryan yelled, while doing some cool dance moves? <laughs> nope. I'm more of a punk rock girl. Nice moves, by the way. Do you play DDR, Jubilee asked? <laughs> yeah, expert only. I used to hang out at the mall back when it was cool. Remember Aladdin's castle? Ryan screamed with excitement. <laughs> Dude, we are like the same person. We got to hang at the mall when this mission is over, Jubilee replied. As long as it's not the Natick Mall, it's boring now, Ryan said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, this is like all for Maddie at this point. I know. That's pretty great, though. <laughs> he looked over to the right and saw Ruckus and Gorgeous George, who were grinding on each other erotically in the center of the dance floor. Ruckus motioned toward the bar, and George made his way over to it. Logan tilted his cowboy hat down, thinking it wouldn't give away his identity, like the Ninja Turtles wearing trench coats and hats. George walked up to the bar and motioned to the bartender for shots. Logan checked out his ass. He leaned in. Hey, bub, do you like blowjobs or sex on the beach? I'm talking drinks, Logan said. George laughed and blushed a little, whatever that looked like for a man of purple skin. (laughs) Well, hello. I'd swipe right on you, George replied. Do I know you from somewhere? Probably grinder, Logan blatantly said. I hang out at truck stops a lot. Also sewers. And the woods. I'd buy you a drink, bub, but I'd be jealous of the glass. Well, uh, why don't we find something else to put your lips on? Hmm? I'll meet you in the third stall of the bathroom in five minutes, George said. He threw back both shots and then sauntered off to the dark back corner of the club. 
Ryan Jubilee nearly crashed into the bar while laughing, and Ryan stumbled to Logan's lap. Logan, why do you have a flashlight on this mission? Ryan asked. They both stared at each other for a moment, then Ryan jumped up. They blushed and Logan cleared his throat. Uh, I uh, got a lead. I'm going to rough up gorgeous George in the bathroom for some information. If you catch my drift, Logan said, popping his claws dramatically. <laughs> Who the hell is that supposed to be? Sexy, curious George, Ryan asked. I thought Candy Con had that covered. <laughs> gorgeous George is one of Mr. Sinister's goons, Jubilee explained. He's the purple stretch Armstrong. Just then, Ruckus came up to the bar near him near them clearly annoyed that george was gone he ordered himself a drink jubilee smiled okay you get george we've got this jubilee said with a sly smile logan nodded and made his way to the back of the club jubilee spun around dramatically and with a drink in hand and crashed right into ruckus spilling his own drink all over them little girl this is a three thousand dollar coat ruckus said in his beautiful bashonen voice oh whoopsie clumsy me i'm so wasted right now jubilee said pretending her best to be drunk wait are you like someone famous i want a picture well, if you want a picture of how beautiful I am, then yes, I am famous, Ruckus said, throwing his pink hair back. Ryan hopped over and held up his vlogging camera. He pretended to take a picture of it, but clearly screamed, Snapshot! <laughs> After the blinding lights stopped burning their eyes, Ruckus shook his head. You better not cause any more trouble tonight, or else I'll have to give that gentleman you're with a bare-ass spanking, Ruckus said. And then he proceeded to exit the club. I knew rubbing his ego would distract him, Julie said. Did you get the shot? Yeah, but why did you crash into him like a drunk white girl, Ryan asked. <laughs> Jubilee held up a key card. Because I snagged the key card to his hotel room. Let's go investigate, Scoob, Jubilee said excitedly before they quickly <laughs> exited the club. <laughs> Meanwhile, Logan made his way over to the luxurious bathroom. There was only one door because in this world, gender roles do not matter. Nice. Logan opened the door and walked through the long hallway. A pale-skinned man with blue hair turned the corner and bumped right into Logan. Mm. Watch where you're going, idiot, the man said and pushed past Logan. He paused and sniffed the air. Damn space club, it's messing with my sense of smell. And the nose knows, Logan said, to absolutely no one before finally entering the bathroom. <laughs> Two stormtroopers were making out in the corner, but they weren't doing it very well because they had their helmets on. <laughs> Logan made his way over to the third stall, which was open and crack. Logan put on his best charm, smiling. And I thought only the beer was good here, Logan started, but was shocked to find George passed out on the toilet. He looked around and saw a syringe on the floor. He sniffed the air again. Damn it! Logan barreled out of the stall, claws out. Meanwhile, Emma paced the upper level of the casino. Her eyes stayed on Ruckus as he entered a nearby clothing so shop called Cold Subject. <laughs> uh, Madeline and Corsair, Ruckus has entered Cold Subject. Keep eyes on him, Emma said telepathically. Then to her dismay, a familiar bald-headed man entered the casino in a floating chair. Bloody hell, I didn't think he could fit that ridiculous floating chair through a gate. Sage, do you have any records of Xavier having knowledge of this mission? That's a negative, Sage replied. All of our communications with the mutant ages have been encrypted. I do not even have record of him using a gate. Mm. A constant thorn in our side, Emma replied. Stay in contact with the team. I will deal with the bald eagle. <laughs> Meanwhile, Madeline sifted through the clothing of sub cold subject because she was actually kind of into it. She peered through the racks and saw Ruckus taking a new coat up to the cash register. Cash register. Suddenly, Corsair threw open a nearby changing curtain and revealed himself wearing a tiny speedo with a rocket ship on it. His cock was clearly erect and bulging out, hard as a rock. Nice. Why, hello there, beautiful lady. My rocket ship is taking off and needs a place for docking, Corsair said with a wink. Madeline sighed. You know, there's a time and place for that, Madeline replied. Also, your pickup lines are just as lazy as me trying to go pick up groceries. <laughs> Come on, I will, I will make you feel like you're in hyperspace, Corsair said, shaking his cock back and forth. Eh, I'm honestly feeling kind of lazy today, and standing here is really already asking a lot of me, Madeline replied. 
You're lost then, Corsair said with a sigh. He began to pick clothing off the racks around them, putting them all on, and then eventually putting his regular clothes over all of them. The clerk handed Ruckus a bag. Thank you, darling. I'm going back to my room to change into this gorgeous new outfit while the night is still young, Ruckus said. Madeline's eyes widened. Shit! He's going back to the room. We gotta stall him, Madeline said. Corsair nodded and leapt out from behind the clothing rack. He approached Ruckus. Well, here I am, beautiful. Now, where were your other two wishes? Corsair said with a wink. <laughs> Ruckus just stared at him. Madeline smacked her forehead. She walked behind Ruckus and quietly slipped her hand into his bag, spraying ink out of the, fi- the tips of her fingers all over his new clothing. Nice. She tapped Ruckus on the shoulder. Hey, dude, I think you got a leaky faucet, Madeline said, pointing at Ruckus's new clothing. Ruckus shrieked, blowing out several lights in the room in one window. <laughs> he spun around and slammed his bag into the cashier's desk. Ah, what kind of fool do you take me for ripping me off like this? Do you know who I am? My boss will have you shackled up in his dungeon, whipping you and plugging that petite asshole of yours if you don't fix this immediately, (laughs) Ruckus yelled, glass shattering around him. Corsair leaned next to Ruckus. How about we forget about clothes altogether, Corsair said with a wink. Come on, Madeline yelled at Corsair, pulling him away by his ear. Luckily, Ruckus was yelling so loud at the cashier that they didn't notice the security alarm going off as Corsair passed through the door. Mm. Nearby, Maddie and Rogue watched Kiss play on a floating stage playing I Was Made For Loving You. (laughs) Ramrod, Hairbag, and Slab danced in the center of the crowd. Do you think Kiss are aliens or mutants? Maddie asked Rogue. I don't know, sugar, but they are sure making this southern girl's skin tickle. And I ain't touching nobody. If I did, I'd take their entire body and minds, Rogue said. (laughs) <laughs> Mitty, Rogue, have you got eyes on the remainder of the Nasty Boys, Sage said through their experience. Yeah, they're grinding on each other excitedly like, like it's Christmas morning, Maddie replied. Where's Emma? I thought she was watching us. She's dealing with an unexpected junction, Sage said. For now, I am your ears and eyes in the sky. Ryan and Jubilee are on their way to search the Nasty Boys' room. Keep them distracted. Maddie locked eyes with Slab, who motioned at them. The three boys quickly advanced towards Maddie and Rogue. You don't need to worry about that because it looks like we've become the spotlight performance, Battery replied. <laughs> Slab led Ramrob and Hairbag over to them. Oh my god, that was a hard sentence to say. Pointing in Rogue's direction. I knew it. It's that skunk girl who works for the X-Men, Slab shouted. Now that's no way to talk to a lady, Sugar, Rogue said. The only one who smells like a skunk is you. We won't let the X-Men stop the boss again. We'll fill those asses with tight butt plugs, Hairbag yelled. He launched himself at Rogue. Well, if you insist, I could use a workout, Rogue said casually, flexing her muscles and punching hair bikes straight across the floor into Slab, who growled and grew even larger. Hmm. He charged at Maddie and Rogue. Oh, I guess we're fighting now, Maddie said. She played a little tune on her keytard and fired it at Slab, but it deflected off of him. He laughed. You think your little chip tunes can hurt me, puny girl? Try again. Slab jumped up into the air and went to land on Maddie's face. Rogue jumped in the way, caught him, spun him around, and threw him into a nearby table. Nobody seemed to think this was out of the ordinary at this kind of show, and Kiss kept playing their music. <laughs> Hairbag was back on his feet, racing to take down Rogue. Maddie played another tune and shot a beam of energy at Hairbag, which knocked him out and into the audience somewhere. Slab was back up and charging at Maddie now. She went to move but fell down, only to find her leg wrapped up in some roots that had come out of nowhere and dragged her for, toward ramrod Oof! you think you're clever but you're not nearly at the top of the charts maddie yelled she quickly played another tune and fired an energy blast at ramrod who flew backward into a wall and passed out maddie then screamed as slab picked her up with one hand her keytar clattering to the ground she tried to reach it but instead she scrabbled a place like an animal anime character Aww. suddenly slab looked really sick before just dropping maddie to the ground and passing out Rogue stood behind him with one glove off. She shuddered. 
Well, that was not the way I wanted to party tonight. But I know where these boys have been camping out. Sage, tell Diction and Beast to meet, meet us at the Ellen Ripley statue in the South Quarters, Rogue said. <laughs> she helped Maddie to her feet before quickly run, leaving the show. Meanwhile, Emma sauntered across the floor of the casino to a little dining area where the professor made himself comfortable with a cup of tea. She did her best not to scowl at his existence. And here I thought I was far enough away from Kakoa to not be dealing with mutant pleasantries this evening, Emma said. Ah, Emma, lovely to see you. I mean, I am surprised to see you. Funny how we would come across each other, even in the furthest reaches of space, Xavier said. Not that I had any idea, of course. I do not go into people's minds without their permission. Ugh. Well, you certainly can't enter my mind. But do tell me, dearest Charles, what brings you to an exquisite alien casino? Emma asked. Ah, yes, my dearest Lalandra, the one and only woman who I'm destined to be with. We agreed to meet here for dinner, but I'm afraid she is standing me up, the professor responded. I can't imagine why, Emma said. And what brings a lovely lady like yourself to Elderbaran 5, Charles Xavier asked. And why has Gambit, Rogue, Beast, Jubilee, and Wolverine joined you this evening? What was that laughable statement that you made earlier, Emma said? Oh, yes, that you don't read people's minds without their permission. Yet here you are knowing exactly who is here. Hmm. Do not get your information twisted, you wicked woman, Xavier suddenly snapped. I would not enter their minds without their permission, and you are absolutely twisting this against me. I simply checked the records at the Krakoan gates. Hmm. Fucking Xavier. Fuck this asshole. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's questionable, like, who's on whose side with everything that's happening. I uh, know. Well, then, I suppose there is no necessity to continue this conversation, dear Charles. What my associates and I do for pleasure in our downtime for the X-Men need not your concern. Enjoy the date with your right hand, darling. You always do seem so infatuated with yourself, Emma said, <laughs> before walking away, leaving Xavier looking annoyed and definitely a little evil as he glared at her. Mm. At the statue of Ellen Ripley killing an alien, Beast scanned the walls and fountains around it with a device that looked an iPad. Todd leaned against one of the walls looking bored. I definitely don't understand what this mission is even about. And spoiler alert, I'm bored, Todd said. <laughs> Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some have a greatness thrust upon them, Beast said without looking away from his iPad. Twelfth <laughs> Night, William Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I generally don't know what you're saying right now, Todd said. <laughs> Beast chuckled. Your mutant cells are fascinating, and it's that power within you that will open up the passageway as soon as it's been located, Beast replied. Well, we're not going to get very far if I don't recharge my mutant power soon, Todd said. I have half a floating X left, and with the way things have been going tonight, it could be a million years before I find another one. <laughs> our doubts are our traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win. By fearing to attempt, Beast quotes Shakespeare again. Can you not talk like a high school drama student for like two minutes? Todd pleaded. <laughs> Beast scanned over a fake rock formation and his iPad started to beep. His backpack starting to rumble and even Kazooie popped out for a moment. <laughs> Aha! I found the target, Beast said. Diction, would you do the honors, my good friend? Todd pulled out his, his notepad and scribbled on it. He sighed again. Well, here goes the last of my MP. Opening a door, Todd said in monotone. <laughs> he picked the letters off the notepad and flung them at the rocks. The secret entrance revealed itself. The words smashed into the rocks in a wonderful splash of animation that could only be compared to Disney's Fantasia. <laughs> the rocks rumbled and then separated on a mechanical rail to reveal a secret staircase. The Zelda fanfare played ominously in the background. Mm. Good thing there's nobody hanging out on this side of the casino because none of that shit was subtle, Todd commented. <laughs> <laughs> they descended down the stairwell into a metal hallway until they reached a door that required a code. 
Beast entered the 6969 as Katie had discovered from the chip, and it opened to reveal a large room full of doors and hallways. A giant red diamond glowed on the wall in front of them. Mm. I believe, Alice, we have fallen down the rabbit hole, Beast said. He tuned into his earpiece. Snapshot, Jubilee, have you accessed any information in the boys' hotel room? Nearly a mile away in the connecting resort hotel room, Ryan and Jubilee threw shit around the nasty boys' room. They had dumped all the clothing all over the room, broke a VCR, and pretty much any technology either of them touched. Sex toys were strewn about the room, but it was already like that when they had gotten in there. Yeah. That's a negative. Yeah, right. That's a negative beast arena, Jubilee said. How are these dudes packing so many sex toys in one bag? There's four of them. So why do they need 19 dildos? I don't know, but I'm hungry, Ryan said, both in character and also as the author of this story. I need some, I need some of that edible underwear, but who knows where that's been? Oh, I've got a power bar with me, Jubilee said. She reached into her yellow coat and pulled out a Snickers, which definitely wasn't a power bar, unwrapped it and split it with Ryan. They both silently sat on the edge of the king-sized bed the Nasty Boys had been sharing and silently ate their candy. <laughs> I wonder if they'll notice that we destroyed the room, Ryan commented. It looked like a small tornado. It looks like a small tornado caused by first class Riptide had passed through the room, even though that's not what Riptide, uh, Riptide even is. Mm. Ryan stared at, the, at an artistic portrait of two men blowing each other on the wall for a second. <laughs> Suddenly, his eyes lit up, but not in the way where his eyes are cameras. He got up and started to feel the portrait. Dude, don't do anything weird with that picture. I just ate lunch, Jubilee said, holding up the crumpled up candy wrapper. Ryan's fingers moved along the edge of the picture frame, and there was a satisfying click. The portrait went open like a clue house and revealed a safe. Can you do the honors, Ryan said. Jubilee's face was painted with a huge smile as she bounced over to the safe. She pointed her hands at, the, at it, and plasmoids exploded all over it and blew the safe open. Jubilee pointed her fingers like guns, blew them out, and pretended to holster them. <laughs> Ryan pulled out a laptop and opened it. I, okay, I wrote this wrong. It says, security, facial security required. And we're just going to leave it like that. Great. A sexy voice that sounded like Mr. Sinister said to them. Mm. Replay, Ryan shouted. The image he had of Ruckus appeared in front of the screen. Security passed, the computer said. And it conveniently loaded up a bunch of blueprints of the secret base on Elder Brother 5. Nice. And wow, this works just like the movies, Ryan said. <laughs> Suddenly, there was a sound of a gun cocking at them. Ryan and Jubilee spun around multiple times in shock. There stood Ramrod with a gun pointed at them. Step away from the laptop, you insolent children. I, I just might be nice, not, nice enough not to fire this gun through your skulls, Ramrod said. Shit, butt plug is here, Ryan said in his earpiece. I mean, Ramrod. No, just kidding. What I said was right before. <laughs> Well, that is quite the snap in our plans, Beast responded in his earpiece. Downstairs, Todd and Beast wandered the main room, peeking into the doors and hallways. We are going to need floor plans to navigate this elaborate base. Just in time, Maddie and Rogue ran into the room. What in tarnation is this fancy janitor's closet? Rogue exclaimed. Somebody who's been watching way too many Resident Evil movies, Maddie commented. <laughs> A pleasure to have you join us, but how did you get down here, Beast asked. Uh, through the or you know how most people do things maddie replied <laughs> okay that doesn't make sense because i kind of used the last time mutant power to open the door todd said weird that's the second time your words have stuck and not reverted back maddie said yeah too bad i can't get them to stick with half my students todd said with an eye roll oh <laughs> it's not todd's fault <laughs> fascinating b said it seems as if your mutant genes are evolving your dna is so hot <laughs> yeah i'm not here for whatever that shit is but can we talk about ryan and jubilee aren't they at gunpoint with a talking dildo todd pointed out you mean ramrod rogue asked 
We knocked out that wildcat upstairs during the show. And trust me, he ain't getting up anytime soon. Then who the hell is up there with them? Todd yelled. Does mm. anyone pay attention? God, this mission is stupid. <laughs> upstairs, Jubilee and Ryan were still at gunpoint by Ramrod. Jubilee positioned herself to fight. Okay, Big Rog, you want to fight? I got some firepower you don't want to mess with, Jubilee shouted. Little girl, I know what you are capable of, and you are best a firework display, Ramrod said. He turned to Ryan, and don't you even bother using your little flash photography tricks. They will not work on me. There's only one way to find out, Ryan said. Freeze frame! There was a blinding light in the room. When everyone came into sight again, Ramrod had pushed the gun into Ryan's skull. Ron, move, camera boy, Ramrod said. Suddenly, claws ripped through the door to the room in a convenient X shape, and then Logan dramatically <laughs> busted through it. He screamed and tackled Ramrod to the floor. Logan's clothes were getting ripped up for some reason. Ramrod kicked Logan off of him and did three backflips, then pointed the gun at them again. Logan jumped to his feet in front of Ryan and Jubilee, snarling. The jig is up, bub. You can shave your shape, but you can't change your scent. You've been messing with us all night, Logan said to Ramrod, who laughed and slowly transformed into no other than Mystique. Of course. Bravo, you Neanderthal. Looks like you are capable of figuring some things out after all, Mystique said. But you mutant ages crew do not know what you're getting yourselves into, and I'll be damned if I let you get to the Baron before me. And that's where we say to be continued. Ooh. Who is the Baron? Why is Mystique here? Why is <laughs> Professor Xavier here? Why are there so many characters here? Who the fuck is actually the Baron? It could be any of these characters. We don't know. What the fuck is happening? Is Ryan going to get a real dinner tonight before he is going live on his gaming show tonight? Was any of this complicated shit necessary? Or Ryan did, or did Ryan just want to write an Ocean Le- Ocean's Eleven story with the X Men? Stay tuned for the next episode of Mutant Ages: The Comic Book. <laughs> That was so fun, even though much like Todd, I don't understand what the point of the mission was. I enjoyed every second of it. It was wonderful. Exactly. I mean, eventually Todd had to call it out because that's what Todd's here to do. It's going to be one of the two of you. I hope that Todd comes across a huge treasure chest full of MP so that he can keep using his powers because we're kind of useless without them. Like most of the time. (laughs) At this point, Todd is our powerhouse. I know. I know. (laughs) know. That was amazing. This has been a very long reader mail. So I guess we had better go ahead and get to the plug section of our show. That's right. If you would like to follow us everywhere on the internet, you should start by going to mutantages.com or themutantages.com. And that is the place where you can find all the ways to contact us and follow us and partake in future listener feedback episodes. We've got an email address. It's themutantages at gmail.com. We've got that Discord server that we've mentioned quite a few times on here. We've got that voicemail inbox, one five zero eight. 319-1668 and we even have a p.o box for physical mail which we open on our youtube channel and that's p.o box 3344 natick massachusetts 01760 and on youtube we unbox those things and do other things like play x-men video games or do x-men parodies Sometimes we just post wherever the fuck we decide to make together because that's really the Ryan and Maddie show. Sometimes we read a picture book about the X-Men. That's on there. Oh, yeah. That's like highly erotic. A children's book about the eroticism between Wolverine and Sabretooth and how they're going to fuck. <laughs> yep. Do you want to talk about your own YouTube channel while we're here? Yeah. And speaking of which, I do have a YouTube channel, which is Ryan Pagella. And 
I'm probably going to go down Six Flags for a little bit today to meet up with a buddy of mine because we'll do some of the coverage of the water park that just opened. Yeah. My YouTube channel is all about adventures. I focus a lot on theme parks and fun things to do and where you can go. We also, I also have a Twitch channel, which I always promote because on the Discord, I always say when I'm going live, I've been playing Avengers, but I've been taking a break to unsurprisingly play Resident Evil Village because Maddie and I are obsessed with Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. So those are things you can also check out. And we're all over the social media. So if you can find the Mutant Ages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, and TikTok, I'm at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and at Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. Maddie, here's the microphone. How do you talk now? <laughs> Thank you very much. I am Mindy Myers on all of those social media platforms. And while I have the microphone, I guess I may as well say that there are other ways to support us besides just following us and writing in. You can support us financially. You could go to our store, our Teespring store. There's a link to that at mutantages.com as well as in the episode descriptions. There's also a Patreon, patreon.com slash the mutant ages, where you can back us and get special rewards, bonus episodes about all kinds of things, behind the scenes content, copies of the soundtrack, depending on what level you're backing at. And if you back us at the highest level, you get a shout out on the show. Take it away, Ryan. That's right. And we'll have Ruckus, the beautiful Bashonin, come in and say, hello, all you gorgeous people, but not as gorgeous <laughs> as me. Ha, hair toss. Thank you, Brock, Samuel B, Soren B, and Zach S for listening to our show and being the top tier supporters. I none of you will be as beautiful as moi for who is <laughs> anyway enjoy these complimentary butt plugs from <laughs> us here at the nasty boys and we'll see you in room 6969 great that's a, that's a really tall tower actually it is it, there's <laughs> a lot floors, of floors six, six thousand <laughs> floors yeah so let's say that you don't have any money which my sympathies yes you should consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Facebook or whatever, or just sharing it on your personal social media. Like for example, Tim wrote into the show today, said his friend sent him a message saying that this was the show for Tim. And that's how Tim found it. You could tell your gay friends about this X-Men show. <laughs> Especially and with X-Men Evolution involved. It's pretty I know. gay. We like somewhat recently started to do show. I guess I can't say that anymore. I, I feel like the, the season premieres of the different shows are good hopping on points. Once when we're going into like season three, it's not recent anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, whatever. It's fine. Uh, X-Men Evolution. Recommend our show to other people and that's how they'll find it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been another episode. Next week, we are premiering the first episode of season three of X-Men Evolution. We're going to find out what the heck happened to Xavier, but probably not right away. I don't remember what happens. I don't, I don't remember anything. the exact order. The, I mean, it's got like a three part opener, basically. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's actually really interesting that they sandwiched it with like the two part ending and then they did like a three part starter too. Yeah, the, the show is getting very complicated and very fun. So tag yeah. along with us uh, next week and we will see you next time. We'll see you next time. The